We recording? Mm-hmm. Ready? Yep. Hello there, gentle listeners. Welcome to the Diogenes Club podcast of Buffy, Slayer of the Vampires. There are spoilers ahead and swears ahead, so if those aren't your thing, please turn off the podcast. This time, we will be discussing Buffy, Season 3, Episode 3, Faith, Hope, and Trick. We're in... Oh my god, Faith is here! <laughs> Hi, Faith! Yeah. You're so awesome! Jen has been waiting for this moment since but, uh, we first came <clears throat> up with the idea. <clears throat> Sorry. Plus, <laughs> plus, Mr. Trick, some floppy-haired dink, and the return of Angel, now with more naked. <laughs> Which, if you've watched any of the extras or any of the uh, the interviews from the Buffy reunion, you, you find out that uh, Boreanaz took much pleasure in being naked pretty much all the time. You just run around. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a bummer when uh, when Michelle Trachtenberg got hired because he couldn't do it. He could no longer much. be naked. He couldn't because... run over to the Buffy set all naked. Yes, he couldn't. Because <laughs> there was an underage kid on the yeah. set. Mm-hmm. Uh, as always, I am Jen and this is Snard. Or Michelle. Yeah, that thing. Yeah. <laughs> we are the sisters. Yes, and for this episode, we have concocted the Buffy drink and the Faith drink. Yes. They are uh, mirrors of, them, of each other and yes. themselves. So, so the Buffy drink is... Um, that would be a basically a chai latte, either served hot or cold. Or with fireball. <laughs> with fireball in it. Um, and a cinnamon stick as a garnish. Uh, and, and there's also a way to make a whiskey, whiskey whipped cream, which we didn't have time for today. Um, but yeah, you basically you just put whiskey and sugar in whipping cream and then whip the cream. Yes, and the, uh, the faith drink, of course, is the, uh, the mirror of that uh, espresso rum whiskey and... Uh, Eagle Parts coffee and chocolate milk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. The light and the dark. Yes, that's served with chocolate chip cookies because hungry and horny. Yes, absolutely. Which I very rarely am. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm frequently hungry, but... Uh... Yeah, and I got nowhere yeah. to put the other H, so <laughs> I just I just ignore it. <laughs> Plus, pre- we, we don't slay, so we don't really know. Right. We could never actually be horny and just never know. Yeah, I, I pretend it doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> so i mean so okay a couple words on faith mm-hmm. uh so as as you have heard at great length uh already already uh, while pleading with me to shut the fuck up i ad- <laughs> <laughs> i adore faith uh it's not because she can do no wrong because she will do a whole lot of wrong but the thing is that i understand faith i get faith i understand everything she does every step of the way i recognize faith let's say. And I think it's important to talk about to talk about Faith in terms of what we learn about her throughout the series right up front, you know, from her first episode. Um, so Faith is a lone wolf. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, she desperately and in spite of herself wants to belong. She wants the friends and she wants the family and she wants a watcher. Uh, I think she tells herself over and over she doesn't need those things, but she really totally yeah. does. Well, yes. Buffy does something very similar Absolutely. Yeah. Although she really doesn't need those things. And, has them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and we and we can imagine again, you know, Buffy and Faith hanging out in LA and living together and being very, very happy yes. without those yes. assholes around. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, weird. We we can imagine that quite clearly. Yes. And Faith wants, I think, as I think the vast majority of people do, someone to love who loves her. And uh and I and, and oddly enough, um, a ghost of the mayor uh, will suggest that she wants <laughs> Buffy to be that person. Yeah. Um, I'm also going to show you uh, that Buffy is a hell of a lot more receptive than people think to this. I didn't see it until this latest <laughs> watch through. So if you haven't seen it or if you don't believe us, go watch the episode after listening to us talk mm-hmm. about it. Um, and you might just spot something you yep. didn't see before. I've actually, I feel like I've never watched this episode I'm before. Gonna, in my I'm going to have, uh, later on, I'm going to have a fallen apology to Buffy. Yeah. Because I 
I thought she was doing something and she's not. Yeah, I thought so too. Yeah. <laughs> because we were taking the show at face value. Exactly. Yep. And you can never take this. We are learning every <laughs> single time <laughs> yeah, that if, we do this show. You can never take this show at face value. If you ever if you ever think, gosh, they're so inconsistent, they're not even the same same the same things that they were in the first season. That's because we've changed our minds because mm-hmm. we're watching this carefully. Yeah. Yeah. We are watching really carefully. And and I think um personally I think that's the hallmark of good analysis. Maybe it's just because we're like the daughters of a scientist or something well two scientists really two scientists yes we're a daughter of two scientists which is you know you continue to test the theory right you never just say oh well it's that's the way it is and that's how you leave it you continue to test the theory and you especially test your own perceptions of right. the theory and honestly if, if we were just saying the same thing as everybody else we wouldn't have this podcast because we would think it was yeah silly. if because we've listened to um a couple of of other podcasts about buffy and it's not that we necessarily Dis- well, we do disagree. It's not that we think they're wrong. <laughs> they're they're inaccurate. No, it's it's, it's, just... Im- it's impossible to be wrong about a show where you're never going to get the answers. Yeah, because there's there's interpretation. Right. But we just we were getting frustrated because we felt like we were missing so much. Right. And so we came into this with sort of our own preconceived notions, mm-hmm. and and um... even those have been exploded. Yep. Or and some have been confirmed in spades, uh-huh. like this one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and and our our thought experiment presupposition that this is a whole piece right. simply being revealed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and whether the writers knew what they were doing or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I I really don't, I I actually just got um you know Elizabeth Gilbert the pray love yes person so I'm writing I'm I'm writing a teaching class. This is going to go well for us <laughs> today. Uh, <laughs> I I am writing a teaching class. I'm also teaching a writing class. Um. And in that, one of my students uh, brought me a copy of Liz Gilbert's book on writing. Mm. And she even says the same thing. She has this great story in there where she had a novel idea she was working on. And then a whole bunch of shit happened and she had to go do something else and ended up writing a novel or a book about that instead. And then came back into town, met another writer, I think is Ann Pratchett, um, that she met up with and they were talking. And then a little while later they got back together after she went back home and she tried to work on the novel. It didn't work. Mm-hmm. And so she, they go and have like lunch together at a certain point and she's talking, they're talking about their projects and the other one starts talking about hers and it's the novel that got, <laughs> that left Liz Gilbert. Like it's, it's, it's the same novel. Interesting. Yeah. It, there's just a little bit of like a time period difference. They're shadow like selves. That. They are shadow selves. Yes. <laughs> so the the theory is that um, her theory that she postulates in the book is that something wants to be written and it flits about and it finds someone to write it. And if you neglect it, then it goes and finds somebody else. It fucks it, off. It fucks off. Just like the characters will fuck off. Yeah. The idea Your also fucks will off. Fuck off. Yeah. That's, yeah. I, I remember that from when I was writing. It's like, what are you doing? That's yeah. out of my outline. I have to. I I've learned to listen to my characters tell me a story first and then I write all of those down basically verbatim and even if they don't match up with anything else I'm doing eventually they will become important (laughs) so I figure I I write my my stories um like ocean between islands like the islands are the pieces that I get from my characters first and uh it goes much smoother that way interesting (laughs) it's much easier when I think of myself as more channeling than creating yeah, and, and don't yeah. get too married to what you think is going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's just a lesson for life, dude. 
I mean, we don't know. We'll never know for sure if, if Buffy and Faith were meant to be a thing, even though we do. But <laughs> well, we're, the writers don't really like to talk about things in absolutes. Well, and I've got some I've got some evidence coming up. But um, mm-hmm. but basically, their entire relationship is shrouded in production coding. Um, so that means that they can't just say what they mean. Uh, but if you know what to look for, it's really obvious. Yeah. Um, I'm going to spend a minute or two talking, uh, doing a brief primer on production coding. Uh, for more information, and Snard has linked to this. Um, yeah, back in um, Becoming Part 1. And on... again for this episode. Yeah, and um, uh, com. Yes, indeed. By the way. Uh, and uh, for more for information on production coding, please, please, pretty please watch and or read The Cellular Closet by Vito Russo because it's fucking brilliant. Uh, the nutshell version is that old school Hollywood had very strict limitations slapped on it by the government, limiting what could be shown on screen. There was a long list of band themes in the beginning and eventually the others fell away. Uh, until all that was left was would be uh, de- t- depictions of homosexuality, which was referred to as sexual perversions. Natch. Um, <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the writers and directors who uh, wanted to tell stories about all the humans and a lot of them, a lot of whom were gay, uh, would hide it um, sometimes in plain sight. Uh, as with characters who were overtly gay without saying so, or more more subtly, um, for example, characters in movies during that period. Sure. Um, yeah. They seem to be real passionate. Yeah, well, they, they seem real passionate about smoking cigarettes with people of the same gender, mm-hmm. don't they? Yeah. See Mildred Pierce, for examples. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there, there were all kinds of ways to indicate that that uh, characters were uh, having a sexual relationship or having a flirtation or whatever without mm-hmm. overtly saying it. Yeah, or or to indicate that a character is not a love interest. You right. know, like I was thinking of Breakfast at Tiffany's. Mm-hmm. Where um, what's his bucket is supposed to be gay, right? He is in the book, and there's not a lot of argue or arguable ways that he isn't in the movie as well, aside from us just not being explicit, right? And yeah, that's just one of those ways. He he he's in the same room as one of the most beautiful women who ever walked the earth, and he's not like eye fucking her, right? Even Cary Grant got the eye fucked down. He was gay as shit. <laughs> well, he just went gay all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> oh, bringing up babies is the best. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but no, really, read and and or and or watch the cellular closet. Mm. It'll spell yeah. everything out for you. Um, honestly, I, I originally thought this was sort of like the Ben Hur scenario, where <laughs> where um, one actor was being shamelessly flirted with by another actor on screen mm-hmm. uh, to give some backstory, and one actor was not aware. The one who was being flirted with was not aware. This is not true in this in this case. No. I don't believe. No. After this latest two watch-throughs, I watched it last night and then today, as we normally do. And yes, I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. 100%. We actually, we just see a different Buffy in this episode. Kind of all together. It's a refreshing Buffy. Yes. Yeah. Like she's kind of... Getting herself back after being mm-hmm. knocked down by her friends, perhaps. I don't even know if it's getting yourself back. It's it is that element of because I think even if we've had a relatively shelfered lot shelfer, <laughs> holy shit, dude. <laughs> um, even if we've the had drinks a, didn't even yeah, have that much alcohol. Know, in yeah. them. Even if we've had a relatively sheltered life, there's a certain point you will have gone so, gone through something where you were one person before then, and you're still you, but you're not that you anymore right you're somebody else now especially if let's say your friends are forcing you to be somebody else yeah or you had to stab your boyfriend to the heart and send him to hell or a combination of the two yes you had to stab your boyfriend Mm -hmm. and then your friends are forcing you to be something that you're not yes 
They want you to wear a pretty mask, yes. so to speak. Isn't it pretty? Um, yeah. Or, you know, even in the case of, of Giles, there's a few that we see with him. Um, one of them being Jenny and having to face Ripper. Mm-hmm. And then another one, the cruciamentum um, going forward where he just says, this is bull. Right. And he gets, if he didn't get fired in that episode, he would have quit. <laughs> right. Like they, they just kicked him in while he was, he was, they kicked him <laughs> in the ass while he was jumping out of the door. Right. <laughs> um, it was a consensual firing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that this is the Buffy we're seeing the, the more self-actualized I've been through some shit mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm actually might be okay. Yeah. You know? Well, and as, and as far as the, well, and as far as production coding goes, mm-hmm. um, Certain tropes uh, developed from from that whole period, and uh, they are very much in use today. Uh, and because of this, uh, gay folks grow up learning to fill in some blanks in the media. Um, <laughs> there's a show that we will be covering much later on the podcast, and I'm not going to spoil that until we get to it. Um, but even almost 20 years after Buffy, they still have to hide a relationship between two women behind pr- production coding. Uh, they can show more now, but only in certain contexts. And they do they can show us one kiss, and then they can show them having sex, but only if the sex isn't real. In 1998... They couldn't show us anything, so everything is in code. Mm-hmm. We'll see more of that when the show tries to convince us that Willow and Tara are just doing magic together. <laughs> <laughs> magic is sweaty. <laughs> at, uh, at Dragon Con in 2011, Eliza Dushku, who plays Faith, said um, she had a definite thing for Buffy, no doubt. There were a lot of innuendos, and there was a lot of heat there. We were on the WB, and there was only so far that they wanted us to take that. Uh, the first point I want to make is that God is truly an angry and vengeful God that won't let us have, let us have nice things. Um, the second point is thank you, Eliza Deshku, for confirming this. Watching TV is frequently an unpleasant experience for queer audiences. And one of the reasons is that things like this are never confirmed. And we start thinking we're going crazy or projecting ourselves onto the characters. And people tell us frequently and loudly and with great authority that when that what we're seeing isn't there. And then we read the Buffy comics and Faith is saying she's not bisexual. And Buffy is sleeping with a slayer who isn't Faith. And we throw the comics against the wall because none of this makes any fucking sense. Yeah. <clears throat> it so, is... so thank you, Eliza. <laughs> you rock yeah. it so is hard. very <laughs> frustrating when... And it's it's not just an art that queer people are erased. We're erased in daily life. Yes. Every day we're told you haven't met the right person. You haven't been in the correct situation. You just were raised wrong. You mm-hmm. can be changed. I don't need to see you. I'm just going to fire you. I'm just going to kick you out of school. I don't need that. No right. fucking queers. Don't talk about it. Don't tell me. Do what you want to in the privacy of your own home, but don't put it up in my face. <laughs> right. Meanwhile, there's like some dude and chick making out down the hallway. And um, so we feel erased. Yes. And then you erase us in media. And then when we do find something, like you said, it's just, no, no, it's no, not it's not there. there. No, no. It's not there. Uh-uh. What? I mean, just, I mean, yeah. so it, I mean, I know it looks like Faith is flirting shamelessly with Buffy, but that's not what's happening. They're just good friends. Yeah. Or, she, uh, yeah. Show she drew a heart on a window. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. That it's a Slayer heart. There's a stake in it. Girls share heart emojis all the time. That, see, she put a stake in it, so that doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. That means yeah. she wants to go slay. Yeah. That's what that means. Mm-hmm. Where if it was Angel, we'd be like, oh my God! exactly. Yeah, we yeah. we are um, eventually, <laughs> uh, frequently actually. Yeah. Eventually, we're we're going to to uh, invoke the rule of Buffy and Faith, wherein we will ask you to flip one of the genders mm-hmm. and think of what that line would mean if it was said in a heterosexual context. And yes. it was like fireworks and squeeing in the streets and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if if you watch the antagonism in this episode, mm-hmm. that you flip has one Buffy. Yeah. 
And yeah, if, if this was a boy and a girl, you'd just be seeing a romance. You'd be seeing a house on fire. You, you flip one and you have Cordy and Xander. Yeah. Period. Seriously. Yeah. You really do. Yep. <laughs> it's amazing. And uh, yeah, there's, you know, just on the note of erasure, there's a lot of erasure going on with asexuals right now. There's a few comic book characters who've been written as asexual and it's being turned into like live action TV and they're making them hetero. Oh, I'm not surprised. Which is great. I mean, hey, I've been a lesbian my whole life. I know mm -hmm. what it's like to be erased. Yeah. 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 It is. <laughs> it's Because if there's, if there's a focus on gays on television, the focus mm -hmm. is gay men. Like, look at all these gay yeah, men. Look at them. Where did yeah. all the lesbians go? We're not loud enough, I guess. Or we get mm. killed off and replaced by gay men. That's what happens in, <laughs> that's what happens in fiction. That's true. That is very true. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> look, I, it's a gay. Like, I know, but it's, it's not. So funny. Hello. It's so funny how IRL <laughs> were so much more comfortable with two women having sex. I think, and I, yeah. And, and I mean, I think that's the trade-off. Um, lesbians are more socially acceptable. Mm -hmm. Gay men are more likely to inspire violence from um, insecure and homophobic right. and uh, closeted gay people. Mm -hmm. Um so we get to fly into the radar a bit, but at the same time, we don't get as much representation in popular yeah. culture because honestly, we're not the ones in Hollywood. Yeah, that's true. Doing the costumes, you're, writing the scripts, you're the ones doing the direction. Flying them the radar. You're up. You're busy doing other things. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we build the sets. Right. Yes. Yeah. No, totally kidding. <laughs> Although it could be true. I don't know. <laughs> Unless you're Jodie Foster. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and then we, we don't even get to, I mean, we don't have enough time to get into transgender erasure right and, and uh, even though trans folks are, are making quite the comeback i have to say yeah they're doing a good um, job i mean it's we fantastic. have a we have a, a trans woman replacing a a um <laughs> pretty much a uh well frankenfurter yeah yeah i mean yeah i don't well, know if make that whole thing best yeah if, if you guys ever want to if you if you as queer friendly folk we assume you are because you're listening to two queers uh <laughs> yes. if you ever want to really troll people you know people are like fucking transgenders man woman that's the way it is just start posting gifts of loretta cox like rolling her eyes and being all all amazing yes. and eventually someone's gonna say who's that person who's that bitch who's that woman like <laughs> <laughs> and then you post the wikipedia link <laughs> yeah exactly yeah that's the beautiful woman you're saying should use the men's restroom <laughs> i know <laughs> see how you can't tell the difference exactly yeah right yeah. <laughs> yes yeah but at the same time they, apparently there are only a certain number of spots for queer folks on mm -hmm. on tv which fine fine everybody says we're only three percent of the population whatever i say that's bullshit yeah. but, but whatever. we don't have three percent on tv so right well and it's yeah. the same it's the same thing with and, characters like, of, of HBO color notwithstanding yeah i mean it's, it's the same thing with characters of color you know mm -hmm. yeah. represent a much larger part of the population but you still get a small very small piece of the, the yeah. representation we're, on we're primarily movies heterosexual cisgendered white people that we see all the time right and you know yeah. and thin and, and fit and pretty and yeah. all that other stuff and that's and that's fine it's totally fine it just a lot of it doesn't interest i mean that, that's the thing there's nothing wrong with it mm -hmm. television has been like that since the beginning of television movies have been like that since the beginning of movies but i get so bored it is boring i can't no it's, like, it I is so boring even. it's so the if i have to watch one more straight romance i'm gonna go crazy if i have to watch one more relationship that is based completely on physical uh, sexual attraction right. and the heat generated between two people like that's what gets me is it's like i understand heat i understand attraction i understand when two people are supposed to be together but can you at least be able to have a conversation first yeah. 
please the whole thing just just bores me yeah i just i don't know it it's, it's hard it's i mean i know i know i'm only a small percent of the mm-hmm. population who gives a fuck what i think that's fine i'm just not gonna watch your shit <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah that's that's part of the reason this is it's so cool to see and and as somebody who previously thought i was bi it would have actually been nice to have a, this be able to be i mean i think they were as explicit as they could possibly be and watching it a certain way, they were more explicit than the network would have even even let them be right. if they'd been able to read between the lines. I think they did the best, ballsiest job of showing this relationship. Right. Well, and, and I mean, I think we've talked about this before where <laughs> you could you could have an explicit relationship between Willow and Tara because they were like the wholesome gay couple, you know, uh-huh. from from Jeffrey. Uh, <laughs> they're the, the wholesome gay couple and you could pretend that they weren't having sex and you could pretend they were just doing magic. Buffy and Faith. Yeah. We're going like, to be, I mean, you couldn't They barely pretend. even make it through this episode. <laughs> oh my God. Those two, if they had ever, ever gotten together, it really, it, it would have been the crater that, yeah. that in the last episode like, of Buffy, so, but um, early. <laughs> that, that Halloween episode, Way Forward, where Buffy's having sex with Riley and it's like fueling the haunting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that just would have like rocketed up. Oh, face. God. They would have just, I mean, they have so much heat. <laughs> yeah. They have so much heat. They do. It makes every relationship, mm-hmm. including Spike, that Buffy gets into later on, mm-hmm. look like nothing. Yeah. It, it is. <laughs> it's fascinating. And it it would have been nice to be able to see it without people squishing it i admit but, but then they would have had killed yeah. kill one above them off you know yeah, they exactly would, they would have so had to kill faith is they what did they, would have had to they do. did the absolute best they could with what they had and they yep. did a brilliant job you they just did. have to watch it a certain way yeah yeah it's just like sherlock by the way if you haven't caught on is asexual <laughs> right. and a lot of people they say oh yeah but he's he's a sociopath and that is you know he's so cold and calculating and you know if that's the only representation of asexual people no he's very warm he's a sweet guy hey face a murderer i'm fine yeah, with her representing yeah. the shit out of girls no, who I, like girls i think sherlock <laughs> is adorable and i am happy to have him as my asexual yeah. representation well, he was written that way. Yeah, he is. Back He's... in, I mean, back in Conan Doyle, he was written yeah. as asexual. Yeah, and he has a thing for the woman, but it's not sexual. It's 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 a sapio thing. Arena Adler. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, you know, I love that. I love that he's attracted to her without having to have sex with her. Well, and um, well, and, and I, I mean, honestly, watch the version with Jeremy Brett if mm-hmm. you want to see a less, a, a better representation of asexuality. Yeah. No, he just I doesn't give a shit. He does yeah. not even occur to him to have sex. Yeah. No, Jer- Jeremy Pratt is, he's, he's he so does a better, he's, he's, um, he's oh, one he of the is, hottest dudes he is who so has good. ever walked yeah. the earth. <laughs> well, and there, there's something funny about, um, about Benedict Cumberbatch. I think he plays it very asexual. I think mm-hmm. he does such a good job, but he like exudes one of those pheromones where other people are having so much, mm-hmm. uh, like, physical affection for him right, and, exactly. and they like he's like, too he's too conventionally hot to be plausibly he is yeah yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely and then, and then he does play a, a phenomenal sherlock well I and, and jeremy brett sherlock. jeremy brett's just unconventionally hot so you mm-hmm. can buy it the people yeah, kind of got like the ugly thing. pretty going on almost not the ugly pretty but the, the he's um, got the he's just it's like he's so pretty it does a mm-hmm. 180 or and then yeah i, I don't know totally. i don't even know what to say it's about like it but the, they're you're almost too alien or well, something and, and, like he, and he was bisexual mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's it's just fascinating. I mean, it is, yeah. It's, yeah, and the different takes on Sherlock Holmes. I'm not saying either one is better or worse. Mm-hmm. They're equally fantastic and just yeah. different. Just the, different there are take. different interpretations. But of Sherlock the same Holmes, amazing character. Sherlock Holmes, asexual character in literature. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank God. There's something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's why he's able to get so much shit done. People, exactly. Let me t- when people ask me, I say I, I don't ex- experience sexual attraction, and there's this long beat, and they say, "Well, what do you do then?" I said, "I get a lot of shit done." They like, and they think about. It, they're like, "Yeah, I bet." <laughs> Well, since the beginning of my involuntary celibacy, I've gotten a ton done, too. It's amazing how much you get done. <laughs> when you're not wasting time thinking about sex or doing oh. it, you know, well, doing it, you might be. Why isn't the Catholic Church done more? I mean, come on, you guys. <laughs> you're not doing it either. Asexuality is different from repression. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I feel repressed sometimes. <laughs> I just don't think about it. Yeah. Um, oh, I have to say also... To to uh, Eliza Dishku, if you ever hear this, I am so sorry for butchering your name. My Utah drawl has trouble with it for some reason, but I know it's supposed to rhyme with push. I am trying. Dushku. Dushk. Dush. Dush. We will never say du- we will never say Dushku because yeah. that's fucked up. Yeah. Dush. We will say Dushku, Dushku. or something like that. And what's the ethnicity comes from? What's the Albanian? The nationality. I think she's Albanian. Albanian. I think that's awesome. I think. Oh. Yeah, I, I, oh, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm remembering what I saw in Howard Stern like a couple oh, of years ago. So cool. it, it's very, I mean, I was distracted by how yeah. really hot she is. I'm so sad oh, that yeah. you're like, guys, <laughs> if you ever, if you ever like, if you ever decide you want to, you know, have a girl nerd from Utah, please let me know. Yeah. Info at <laughs> dodgescopepodcast.com. Yep. Uh-uh. <laughs> and as long as we're distracted uh, mm-hmm. before we dive in. Um, I have confirmed, I was going back through, we just barely posted um, Becoming Part 1, and I remember my little bit about Galway, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, about the Claudio Ring, that is indeed where the Claudio Ring originated. Oh. So the Claudio is so important to Angel. That's where it started. And it comes from... The... It's so, it is so important. It's important to Angelus. Yes. <laughs> like, that's how important, it's important it is. It's important to Angel, Angelus, and Liam, yeah. all three heads of the, of the three-headed dog. Indeed. And, um, but even Angelus. Yeah. Like... Well, I guess it is related to this episode in a huge way. Oh, we, yeah. We have the return of the Fundamentally, Clada, the Clada absolutely. Ring. Um, so the Clada Ring is, it was uh, part of the, the Fiddle Ring, the, the Roman Promise Ring, which is two hands clasping. Really? And this, I know uh, about that. I can't remember the, the metallurgist's name. But I think he created it, uh, he was in Rome or something like that. And he was offered like all this money and this beautiful woman um, to stay there and be be their metal worker. And he ended up going back home to the woman he, he loved. He went home to Britannia. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he, went, he went home to Galway to the woman he loved. It's who had been Britannia. waiting. Yeah. <laughs> who had been waiting for him. Oh. And he made her this ring. Really? And it is, it's the two hands of fidelity. Mm-hmm. And with these hands, I give you my heart and crown it with my loyalty. Wow. Is the is the promise you make when you put it on. With these hands, I give you my heart. I bet that sounds really good in Latin. Too. Oh, yeah. yeah. In, in Gaelic. I should look it up in Gaelic. Um, and uh, so I find that kind of important here in that it's the Clotto ring that seems to call Angel back. Uh, it's the Clotto mm-hmm. rings that are significant as a symbol throughout the entire episode. Right. And I think part of like... Part of it is that fidelity. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this well, fidelious the, issue. Well, the, and the crazy part is, I mean, we don't know this yet when mm-hmm. watching the show, but there's only one way he got the family clotter ring, and it was off the 
fingers of his dead family yeah, and after I, he killed them. I, ha- I can't help but wonder if he took his mom's ring, maybe yes. off of his sister's finger, because these are passed down, and if he'd been holding on to it for the right person. Absolutely. I fully believe that. Yeah. Because when, I mean, Darley gives a great speech about what we what we were and what we have become. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. I think and he, sla- he, I think he slaughtered his family, and that little tiny piece of him that was still Liam mm-hmm. and would later become Angel, that little piece that was so horrified, I think he grabbed the family clotter yeah. rings. It's it's the same piece of, of uh, William that writes poetry. Yeah. You know? Yeah, of Spike, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Spike, yeah. It's he's William. Yeah, well, who, well like who we were informs who and, we will become. And uh, Liam and William, same name, FYI. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, William they, and William. <laughs> those those two will always be yeah. mirrors. I mean, they're oh, always yeah. mirrors as oh, well God. as possible sex partners. Yeah. Um, sim- similar <laughs> Speaking of I mean, forehead forehead kissing <laughs> production coding. Kissing sex <laughs> I meant for each other giving up the women in their lives for production yeah. coding, production coding, production coding. So much. Yep. So much. Well, and and Sp- Spike dresses like a dyke. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Just as much as just as much as Faith does, <laughs> does. absolutely. Because I mean, Billy Idol, a little androgynous. Oh, yeah. that's part of the sex appeal. Yes. Yeah. Well, I I, I find James mm-hmm. Marshall should be extremely sexy. Oh, God. Would yeah. I have sex with him? I probably couldn't do it no, no. because I he just, would smell I just funny. Want but to watch him move around. Yeah, like he would smell like a he would smell like a dude. So I probably couldn't do it. Yeah. But I like to look at him. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. great to look at. I, yeah, I like to look at people. Too. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, I just I I wanted to um since I was just I just barely did that and I thought oh I never researched that I never made sure that I was accurate on that yeah Clottering comes from Galway That's these are family heirlooms they are they are so important and I'm not saying you shouldn't wear a clot if you're not Irish if you don't understand Snard wears one I do wear one <laughs> um well, well both at, both my boyfriend and I are Irish so, yeah, well he's half Irish um but yeah it doesn't I mean okay yeah. I will say though. If you have not yet been on a date with a girl, do not give her a clottering. The severity of the of the symbolism. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of conversation right now about cultural appropriation, and Scott I know, Hope. huh? Scott Hope. Yeah, and I know that a lot of this is particularly about the more brown colors of the population, the the more oppressed, I should say. Um, Scott Hope. There's a better, yeah, Scott Hope. <laughs> So, you know, I, I'm just going to keep saying what that. What I'm saying is, you know, I, I understand <laughs> that a lot of the discussion of cultural appropriation is about repressed populations who are not white. Right. Um, at but the, the same Irish time, have been pretty fucking repressed in oh the past. Oh, my God. Look up Irish history in, in this country. Like, up until JFK, mm-hmm. like, he almost wasn't elected because he was Irish. I'm always going to push that point. And Catholic? Oh, no. And ca- Catholic Irish. It oh sounds God. so innocent, doesn't and see, it? And yeah, right now, that sounds like, yeah, you and everybody else. But that's not the case. He actually that wasn't was, the case. Yeah, he was a pussy grabber, too. <laughs> well, Marilyn Monroe, though. I mean, Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Hello. I mean, Hello. At least he had taste. In class. I'm just jealous. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. I'm totally jealous. Um, yeah, Jackie O. Yeah, he, he went from Maryland. Maryland. Come on, was, yeah. hello. And that that family, she was she was prepared. Right. It was going to happen. Um, <laughs> maybe not, but anyway. So, yeah, it it's such an important symbol, and people like Scott Hope out there don't just go throwing the shit around. This is a sacred thing to this culture. Stop it, fucking Scott Hope. Man. Stop it. Yeah. So yeah, it. And I just wanted to add that to the cultural appropriation <laughs> conversations going on. You know, don't wear Indian headdresses if you're not like a Native American. Right. Don't you know, if don't wear a bindi if you're not Hindu right. or Indian. Well, I will say, 
if it's something you really want to investigate legitimately. Yeah. I mean, like our, our dad goes mm-hmm. to sweat lodges and stuff like that, which is fantastic. Yeah. He really is inter- he's he fascinated is by the culture. he's integrated into that culture. He is when fascinated he by the culture. He really wants to learn. Yeah. That is awesome. Yes, please do that. Mm-hmm. Learning about other cultures is fantastic. But don't just put on turquoise and act like you're Native American. Yeah, don't show up at, Cho- at Coachella wearing every little exotic thing that you could possibly <laughs> find the last time you went to fucking Bali. <laughs> you know, like chill the fuck out and actually respect the spirituality that you're using. It's irritating. Like, yeah, when when you go to a, anywhere with just a Buddha head, oh my god. <laughs> drives me crazy. I mean, I'm Buddhist. I am. Uh, I know what I'm doing. When other people start chanting Om Mani Padma Hum, like, shut the fuck up. You don't know what you're saying. I don't know. That wasn't that very is. Buddhist of me. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're supposed to live in the moment, man. Yeah, I'm supposed to be loving kindness. But <laughs> that you, wasn't you very loving know, kindness. Yeah, you that don't know what you're doing. Is. When you say namaste and you don't know what it means, that's somebody else's. That's not yours. Say peace, peace be unto you. Say the fucking translation. And with, with these promise rings, don't don't just hand out clotter rings because they're important to you. Hand and you're going to give the Slayer PTSD. Yeah. <laughs> and when you when you give someone a clotter ring, you say, with these hands, I'm giving you my heart. And it's, I crown it with my loyalty. It's really important. It's important. And, and people shared it as friends. People did share them as friends. You turned it that you, way. But yeah. if you haven't... You, if you haven't, the like, right hand means one thing and the left hand means another. But if you've only spent, let's say less than a minute with somebody a morticum of time yeah don't just don't do this yeah yep okay if (laughs) if anyone out there is inspired by scott hope and does this to to anyone i'm going to find you and slap you in the face yeah (laughs) oh um and also the um the the scene where angels angel gives the ring to buffy and he's on the docks and he's going Mm -hmm. away um in my research that i was going to talk about this and so i'm going to do it now even though we're so there was something uh, during the potato famine and afterwards called an American wake. And that was when you would attend your own wake before you went to America or you went, you left because you had to leave your country. Oh, and you know, and, you knew you'd never come back. Yeah. And that's what that felt like to me. It felt like he was giving her this thing on the docks because he's about to leave to go on a journey, you know, and the, the, the ocean has a whole bunch of significance, but that's why he gave it to her then. Like it's supposed to be for her birthday and because he loved her and everything, but it right. also had this ring to it that that made me think of that period. In of case time I in don't Ireland. come back, here's this ring. Yeah, to show in I case love I you. don't come back, you know, right. this is this is my loyalty. This is my heart. This is my family. He gave her his only family legacy he had. Yep, he sure did. And that she, he that he most likely yeah. pried off his dead parents' hands after he murdered them yeah, as a at vampire. A, at, yeah, as an, an act of of remorse and, and you know sentiment. And, yeah, and, yeah. And Darla, which Darla called, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and yeah. he didn't give her the ring. I bet she's pretty bitter about that. <laughs> <laughs> she wouldn't have wanted it. You had that the whole time. She wouldn't yeah. have wanted it because no. it was her his human self, and mm-hmm. she didn't want anything to yeah. do with that his filthy soul. soul. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it, this is this is a huge gift, and he treats it as such, and the show treats it as such, and I just don't think that it ever translated. Nobody ever did the the research independently. <laughs> Maybe. Um, to you see mean, what he's got hope. Yeah. <laughs> to see what he's, what he's actually leaving behind. He's leaving the only thing left of his family, something that he's probably carried with him forever. Right. He's been wearing his, you see it. Um, so he's leaving that with her before he goes off to God knows where to do something that he has to do because he can't stay with her. Right. And oh my God, like the symbolism of this ring and it rings through, <laughs> yeah. rings true for this whole episode. <laughs> 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 Well, of course, uh, I'm going <laughs> to 
course, I'm going to step back into the Buffy and Faith thing for the production mm-hmm. coding. Yeah. Um, well, no, I think that's part of the importance. Yeah, I think so, too. If she has a new true love interest in town, that loyalty. She's giving, yeah, yeah, she's, she's saying, yeah. I'm, I'm moving on. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she uh, puts and the, she gives the, and she does the right thing by giving the ring back. Yes. She does absolutely the right thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've also read online in that, uh, in the DVD commentary, either Doug Petrie or, or David Greenwalt, I'm not sure which one, told Eliza Dushku to play Faith as being attracted to Buffy and that they kind of forgot to tell her to stop. <laughs> <laughs> I love that story. Well, and they meet in the bronze. Uh, Buffy only meets people in the bronze if they're attracted to her. Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> and I mean, neither of us have listened to the DVD commentary because we're doing this thought experiment and we don't want it to influence yeah. us. I watched a few episodes like two million years ago. But yeah, but, and we yeah. don't remember any. Yeah, that's no. the third hand tidbit. Um, so uh, we're, we have already and will continue to do a lot of talking about Faith because she's a fascinating character. And uh, as, as, you, as you've heard, we've been talking about her for two plus seasons now. This is yeah. the first episode. Well, if you're still here, you must be interested. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and if not, just please let us know. Or, we, or, we won't change, but we'll at least concede to you and say sorry. Yeah. yeah I'll, I'll apologize and keep doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, she's important not only as a character in her own right, but as Buffy's most defined mirror. She is the mirror for Buffy. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's the yin to her yang. Uh, she's also Hercules and or Heracles in Snard's ongoing research into Greek mythology. We'll get into that in a bonus episode. Yeah, it'll, we'll be here for 10 hours if we go into that too. Yeah, but she so, really, yeah. really is. Uh, <laughs> uh, Faith is also one of those consistent suppliers of refrigerator moments in the Buffyverse. Uh, for those who may not know, a refrigerator moment is when you'll watch, uh, let's say, this episode, and then a week later you're staring to the fridge and, and deciding what you want to eat, and it will occur to you that there's only one way Faith could know how hard her mother hits. Then you end up explaining to the, the mayo that Faith's mom used to hit her really hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love that. <laughs> based on... Best recap ever. Based on my actual experience. I was like, oh my god. There's only one... Yeah, what, okay. So look what happened. And the, the mayo's like, dude, I don't... Yeah. Are you gonna make a sandwich or what? I'm a condiment. I don't even care what you're saying. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts on, our, our, on my girl Faith before we start the... Um, on your girl Faith. The real thing. Oh, oh yes. Yeah, Aside from what we've already gone over. Um, I, don't, I don't think we might have covered everything. Yeah, I think we covered a lot. I, I, I will, mean, um, I, covered, I covered my bits, the non-Faith bits. I covered the queer bit. Mm-hmm. I covered the Galway bit and the ring bit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and uh, I, w- I shall now do what we refer to on the podcast as The Thing. <laughs> We've referred to... Do The to- Thing. Do The Thing. Speaking of lesbians that don't die, Legend of Korra. Oh, right. I need to watch that. Yeah, but it's you do. Anime and, freaks and me there out. And there's a character who says, do the thing. <laughs> well, here's, here's the thing. it's not anime. It's American. It's Disney. Oh, nice. So you're safe. Oh, good. I, I will totally I will, safe. I will give it a try eventually. Yeah, do it. Uh, so uh, we've referred to Angel and Faith uh, and their similar character arcs to the point where we refer to them as plot siblings. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I will start over. <laughs> we've referred to Angel and Faith's similar character arcs uh, to the point where they, we refer to them as plot siblings. Aside from the tons of production coding and subtext and occasionally overt text, here's my proof that Faith is written as Buffy's love interest. Uh, Faith and Angel both come from mysterious origins. They arrive in Sunnydale and have a meet cute with Buffy. Buffy doesn't get along with him at first, but eventually thinks it hot and heavy. And then after a night together goes wrong, after penetration... 
<clears throat> That's right, I said it. They go, <laughs> they go evil, and there is stalking and threats, and either working for or becoming the big bad. Then they murder an innocent person, whether it's a volcanologist or a Jenny Calendar. Buffy does some stabbing, and they're off to a coma or hell dimension, and then they're back to torment Buffy, either intentionally or unintentionally, and then is off to L.A. for redemption. Throw in torturing a watcher, and they might as well be the same person. Yeah. That's all I got, man. And... and uh... <laughs> I had to pick my brain off the wall for a week when you told me that for the first time. It's the same arc. <laughs> it is. It's the same arc. And it's beautiful because as long as we're talking about Greek myth, Angel is Apollo. And Faith's highest self, sure, her evolved self, is Artemis. And they are goddess brother and sister. Yeah, and, uh, and Faith will have to complete the 12th labor of, labor of Hercules before mm-hmm. she can become Artemis, yes. the goddess of the hunt, and lesbians everywhere. <laughs> 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 yes, and it, it is just the way it all ties in together is so brilliant. But yeah. <laughs> and I, to me, that that makes it your comparison. Not that your comparison wasn't perfect, um, because that's what the show does. But it kind of like seals the deal. Absolutely. When I when I put the Greek myth in with your observations and looking at all the characters, at, you know, in their different roles, absolutely. Of course, and of course she'd be, be Diana. Of course, or of course. Artemis. Of yeah. course she would. Of course. <laughs> Yeah. She's the goddess of the hunt. Yeah. Of course she is. And, and she's Angel. the goddess of girl on girl loving. Of course she is. That's who Faith is. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, and she is. She's the sister of Angel, mm-hmm. you know, Apollo, the sun god, who's just got, he's gorgeous, but I got all kinds of problems going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and yeah. they will eventually have one of my favorite platonic heterosexual relationships yes. ever. Yes, they're fantastic together. Mm-hmm. We open at Sunnydale High. With Willow Oz and Willow's definitely by Curious Shoes. <laughs> and her fuzzy sweater that I'm not buying anymore. I know. Yeah. I she does look, Alison Hannigan looks great in this color, though. It's <laughs> like the will be bluish, but it's like she looks great in this color. She does. And she knows, Alison Hannigan knows what she's doing with this sort of oh. duality and duplicity in Willow. Oh my God. Yeah, again, as I'm watching the show it's this time. It's a brilliant performance. Holy shit. She knows what she's doing. She is yeah. playing it. She Willow. She's playing it like Willow thinks that Willow really does think she's innocent is doing the right thing, mm-hmm. but she's playing it like. But at the core, Willow knows that she's not doing the right yeah. things. At the core, there is. It, it's just like Amy. Mm-hmm. Like Amy is this sweet nerdy girl who shows up in tie dye once she's released from her mother's clutches, but and yet underneath there is this <laughs> menace. May I say, Titan trying to claw its Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Willow tells Oz she's giddy, and he likes that. Willow is all excited <laughs> because they are now seniors, and seniors are allowed to leave school grounds for lunch. Of course, Willow has the kind of personality that doesn't allow her to actually leave campus without guilt, and I suddenly realized that while I can't explain all of my negative reactions to various characters in the media with the psychology of projection, Willow sure as shit reminds me of myself sometimes. Uh, Willow that was, was not me. I, I had the Buffy school. <laughs> Willow was, was st- fucked off all the well, time. I was the oldest child. Uh, Willow is still going on and on and on about this during my epiphany. As Xander and Cordy join them, and Xander and Oz carry Willow off campus while she and has a meltdown. Their little like silent communication. Oz uh-huh. has. If anyone has a superpower on the show, Oz has the ability to telepathically communicate <laughs> with other men. Well, I, maybe men who have been <laughs> possessed by animals. Yes, yes, yeah. possibly. But yeah, he and Xander they make eye contact. 
um, and then Oz nods, mm-hmm. and Xander grabs Willow's arm under yep. the armpit, and they carry her across the road. And Willow freaks, like, and, and this, by the way, is where my the similarities between myself and Willow come to an end. <laughs> Showy meltdowns are most definitely not my thing. No, you just be like, I'm fine. This is fine. Thank yeah. you for carrying me. Yes. Hey, I have friends. This is weird. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you people? <laughs> Hey, who's that cute blonde? Uh, <laughs> uh, once Willow is about 10 feet off campus, she embraces the experience and they see that Buffy is setting up a little nice, uh, a nice little picnic for them. Willow suggests that they stop with all the cute couple hand-holding around Buffy and Cordy Greek choruses that it might be wise since the only guy that ever liked her turned into a vicious killer and had to be put down like a dog. Actually, I I stand corrected. Uh, Cordy will be channeling Buffy subconscious, (laughs) which, as we'll recall, has been violently beaten down by the very people who are talking about her. Also, there's no way Angel is the only guy who ever liked her. Oh, yeah. And I like the put down like a dog. Mm -hmm. That's another mention to Angel as a dog. Absolutely. Just another little check mark on well, there. Well, we have to we have to emphasize that because Hercules is showing up this episode and yes. we <laughs> and this is we do so much work in this episode. Yeah, oh a lot of work. Um so we have that and then you know, we also have our premise of this entire show in these two lines. Yep. Cordy's able to sum something up in a nutshell. I call it nutshelling. Could you just nutshell that for me? Yes, um, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, this whole episode is a nutshell. Yeah. It completely summarizes Buffy's entire experience through Faith's We get to, we get to watch it happen. It. We get yep. to watch it happen through Faith. It is brilliant. And we yep. state our, our purpose of this episode at the very beginning. We are moving Buffy through, grieving out what happened with Angel and every other thing that's happened to her as a slayer. Yeah. And um and of course, Xander, Xander semi-sarcastically notes Cordy's gift for brevity, brevity uh, but but no one There's really... There's a lot of fourth ball oofing in yeah. this episode. <laughs> and and it, it, I mean, it's notable, just like Snard said, that no one really objects to the, to the simplification, which is kind of interesting. And, and I mean, it sets the tone for our episode, as Snard said. And oh, yeah. it also, of course, you can never have a line doing just one thing on this show. So it also demonstrates, again, that these people have no idea who Buffy is. Yeah. None. None. No idea. Because <laughs> yeah. they st- they're treating like the... This is nothing. Just right. like they treated Angelus like he was just any other vampire. Right. They're like, I understand you're your boyfriend, but can you just kill him? It's like, he's my boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> he might still be in there. Yeah, exactly. And if, if anybody out there has ever loved somebody with multiple personalities or schizophrenia. Or any, any kind of or, mental illness. Yeah, depression. Bipolar. Yeah, depression. I, I've, I have dated people with depression, and they are different people. Yep. And you just have to sit there and know that they're I have. there been that person before yeah, i've been that person yeah. before i know i've been that but god bless alex oh my god uh, <laughs> like the things we go through we get into jobs that we have to be somebody else like, mm-hmm. this is this is the nature of love absolutely and you they turn into somebody else and sometimes it's not someone you can live with yep. and you you sit there and you know that they're in there yep and buffy was trying to do that and uh Everybody else kind of pushed her into a different position. Exactly. Yeah. Trapped her into having to kill her boyfriend. <laughs> yes. Yes. Very Which cute. You have to do that sometimes too. <laughs> yeah, but they did it for the wrong reasons. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Don't kill people. <laughs> uh, they all uncouple and greet Buffy and her very elaborate lunch. She's yeah. made the choice to continue to team up with these folks for better or for much, much, much worse. So she's treating them to handcuffed prosciutto that puts Martha Stewart to shame. 
Uh, overcompensating much? Miss Butterfly in your hair? Mm-hmm. Someone She's... might be coming into her age. <laughs> she might be yeah. blossoming for somebody yes, later yes. She's on. She's going to wear a lot of dresses and flowers. We're kind of back to the um, the Narn skirt sort of school thought. Yep. Yeah. So, wait. Wasn't she seems... that episode three of last season when I Spike came been. to town? Um, yes, it was. <laughs> I might think it might have been. Yes. A sexual awakening. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, so we had... And we're going to go into this another episode. But so in in season three, or episode one, season three, we had Amy come to town and show us witchcraft mm-hmm. and and have a little awakening there with with uh, mm-hmm. with a few things for Willow. Mm-hmm. And then Xander referenced Spike coming yes. in in the next season, and so Spike shows up in episode three, season two. And Buffy had a bit of a all the yes. flowers and yeah, all the, the flowers, the Narn and flowers. Yeah, skirt. she gets her yes. period for the first time. I I. I smell the nice. Fr- I smell the the blood of a of a nice ripe girl. girl. <laughs> yes, that's what it was. I knew you'd know. <laughs> I knew you'd remember. Um, girl doesn't rhyme at all. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's also the last time we saw, uh, or one of the the times we see Joyce accept Buffy for who she is and defend her. Right. Um, and very got similar. So elements. many echoes. It's a, so it's many a, echoes. I mean, there's no reason for Buffy to reawaken to guys. She hasn't been dormant or anything like that. No. She but would guys have to... haven't been working very well. No, no. She would have to reawaken to something else. Huh. But maybe someone's going to come to town and show us who that could be. Someone who's impossibly attractive? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of like Spike. Yeah, but, but someone, maybe... someone who's a little like Spike. Like like the Scooby version of Spike. Yeah. Someone who, who's a little different, who always be a little different, who's, who speaks the truth and doesn't have a problem with communicating and can cut through the bullshit and see what's going on and actually do something about it, but also goes real incredibly stupid and trying to be evil and sometimes accidentally destroys the things he cares about most. Somebody who's going to have a bonding session with Spike one day? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, two maybe outside. we'll get one of those. Two outsiders, perhaps something like yes, that. Yes, two outsiders mm-hmm. with with very different origin stories than everybody else. Who are else. both so impossibly attractive? Yeah, <laughs> and have problems with mothers. Yeah, I wonder yeah. who that could be. That weird. <laughs> definitely Scott Hope. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's what it is. He's a bit of a vagina. I mean. <laughs> Oh, I'm not even going to call him a pussy. He's, he's got no. Vagina. He's a. What is he? He's a fragile little nutsack, is what he is. Yeah, I know. He he's just another one. He's just. I remember I was dating. A, I, I think I mentioned this another time, but I was dating some guy, and I was like upset about him. And Dad was driving me somewhere, and he's like, "Look, I could go find you another one of those on any corner. Seriously, name what color hair you want. I'll go get you one." <laughs> there and Buffy's had plenty of these. Mm-hmm. He seems just like Owen. And every time Buffy falls for one of these, she's supposed to be doing something else. Someone yes. else. Uh, including Riley. <clears throat> There's yes. something Buffy is avoiding by uh-huh. dating Riley. Absolutely. It's probably adulthood. Or someone who's in a coma. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly, yeah. She need, she, we need a beard somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Buffy beards harder than any of us could ever beard <laughs> she sure does. any other time. Maybe maybe Willow's bearding a little harder than Buffy. Oh, Oz is very... Oz is pretty gender fluid. He is. He's got his... You know, he paints his nails. He's very... He's, I mean, he's not testosterone mm-hmm. guy at all. He's very sensitive no, that's and very, very sweet like, and if, very kind. If there was ever a man that a lesbian could date without noticing... Oz? Sure. Yeah. Yep. 
totally. Absolutely. Yeah. He's more sensitive than Willow is on any day of the week. He is so sweet. Especially is. in this episode. I'm so team Oz in this episode. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, Oz suggests that Martha Stewart may be a reluctant slayer. And I can't <laughs> tell you how much I would love that. <laughs> She's besties with Snoop, so don't oh underestimate Martha. <laughs> Uh, I have, I have, I love Martha Stewart. I do so too. Much. You've got the book over there. I have the homekeeping. Book. I actually, I, I have, um, I have a defunct. I'm so sorry, it's defunct, Tara Lynn. I know, I know you want me to finish that. Um, <laughs> dual fanship. Um, but yeah, I have a defunct blog that I wrote for for one of my projects, and it's it's from the point of view of a fairy doing magic, and she feels like, or she's been banned from magic, and she feels like she can't use Martha Stewart. Oh, because Martha Stewart must be magic. Uh, Willow, of course, is just super sure Buffy will be let back into school because it's it really is dangerous for Slayer to get too bored. Shut up, Kennedy. I mean, um... <laughs> <laughs> Buffy says that she and her mom will have uh, they have another meeting with Snyder the next day. Willow has noticed Scott Hope, who likes Buffy, and she will now proceed to try to force Buffy into a heterosexual relationship. Yes, because if a man likes a woman, she has to like him back. Obviously, yeah. Duh. I mean. Men don't just come along every day. Or <laughs> I will say, Willow, one day, Willow re will redeem herself by going and getting Faith and bringing her back to Buffy That's and presenting true. her as a gift. Yes. <laughs> but oh my God. It's terrible. Terrible. Well, and the, the whole uncoupling thing where they have to uncouple. Like to I make mean, Buffy feel like a freak. It is. It's kind of fun to see the Scoobies be all like mm -hmm. synergized. But at the same time, I feel like those four have done such a good job of creating a meshed group without Buffy, there's no room for her. Right. And, and they try and recognize that by uncoupling, but that's not the problem. Right. The problem isn't the couple. It's that you're trying to force Buffy to be stuff she's not. Yeah. And you're expecting her to be other things while eating her food. And, you're and being, yeah. they're just being terrible people. Yeah. Again, still. <laughs> I still. Why do they uncouple? Because... They think they're doing something nice for Buffy. So they're suddenly sensitive to the fact it's, that she's single? Like, right. What? It's, I mean, <laughs> it's the last thing that Buffy wants is to be made to feel like a yeah. freak because she doesn't, she doesn't have a boyfriend. Care. She loves other people in couples. Right. She loves romance. She wants her Buffy friends to be happy. It. Yeah. She She's one of those people. She sees two people hugging or cuddling in public. She's mm -hmm. like, oh. This is, it's because they have no idea who Buffy is. Because <sighs> they're going to mistake her for a fucking robot. <laughs> That's Hi. a robot. Like, you know. <laughs> I mean, I think Xander's a little more onto it, but not a lot. Well, he'll get bad in a second. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, for just a second. And then he gets punched. Which is fantastic. And he's pretty good through the rest of this episode. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. He, he snaps I mean, back. Heterosexual man impulses. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah, absolutely. I mean. <laughs> I understand. But, but he's acting on an, on behalf of right. somebody else's well, and, bits. And the great part about Xander is so. it takes one hard punch and he's back on, team, yeah, he's on a, your team. And, you know? and he even does the little chuckle like, I deserve that, Al. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> um, Willow suggests that Buffy do that thing with her mouth the boys like. Buffy's eyebrows have so many objections to this. <laughs> and Willow... <laughs> And Willow realizes what she just said and quickly corrects it with that little half-smile thing. Willow noticed that, eh? Interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, let's let's watch for Buffy's little half smile thing in the future, shall we? There's yeah. a character she'll be giving it to in upcoming episodes, but it's not Scott Hope. It's not a boy. At all. No. Well and so this is interesting. After the first watch like the the first bit when we were watching through, mm -hmm. I think it's cute when she's like, You're supposed to stop me when I do that. And right. Oz says, I like it when you do that. Mm-hmm. 
But we we really zoom in on his face when he says that. He doesn't like it. And he doesn't have he's he's not playing that straight that line straight. There's he's, no reason for us to camera to him individually right. away from Willow for him to say that line. He's uncomfortable, but he's going to go along with it because that's what Oz does. He yeah. goes along with it. Well, things. I think what he's saying is, I ain't cleaning up your shit. Right. <laughs> I think so. Like too. I think that's he's like, no, that's your problem. You want to be. <laughs> You want to be a dumbass? I'm not going to stop you. But he's saying it in a nice way. He's, which, which he's honestly, a good boyfriend. Which honestly goes against my personal philosophy about relationships. Like, well, I know. If, you, if you're with an <laughs> asshole, you have to keep them like from right. inflicting themselves on the but unsuspecting isn't, public. isn't obviously an asshole. And they're young. Yeah, they're young. He's be, he's trying to be a really good boyfriend. Right. And, and we'll But sometimes, sometimes my, my PSA is, sometimes being a good partner <laughs> involves... Like pulling your your person aside and being like, "Babe, do not do that." Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, but probably not in front of the friends. So like later, he right? Talk about right. it, which we don't see if he does. Oz or not. doesn't do that. Yeah, I mean, we can be pretty sure yeah. he does. He does well, not. And we'll talk about later why. Absolutely. Um, and and what that means for the Scoobies and him and the plot. Um, but yeah, I mean. He doesn't seem that happy with it. He's like, "I'm not," and he says, "I like when you do it." But what he means is, "I like you." But dude. Yeah. I, I like you and you also do this thing. Yeah. That is a thing yeah. that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, then uh, Scott Hope approaches, all bland and self-deprecating and red herring-like. He says hi to Buffy and she tries to live up to Willow's expectations of her heterosexuality by returning the greeting, though her eyebrows are look anything but enthusiastic. <laughs> uh, he leaves and Willow gushes way too much, just way too much about the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And Cordy suggests that Scott Hope didn't try to kill them, so that's an improvement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so Cordy's sidelined, but awesome in this episode. She's, she's all right, yeah. yeah. Uh, Willow asks Buffy if she did the little half-smile thing, and no, no, she most certainly did not. Uh, Buffy says she isn't trying to get Scott Hope in any way, but she's all about making her friends happy by hiding her wants and needs, so it's just a matter of time before she gets a beard. <laughs> <laughs> Buffy says she wants to get back to her normal life, and Willow jumps in with, like, date? Willow, shut the fuck up! For hell's sake. Seriously. Like... It how it wasn't that long ago that everything went down. Seriously, and it's it's been okay. We're kind of on the same timeline. This uh -huh. is about a week from Dead Man's Party. Yeah, a week. Yeah, from her from Buffy's friends being fucking fuckheads that just like you want to just <laughs> set them on fire and stuff a grenade yeah. in their pants. You know mm -hmm. they're fucking horrible people. A week ago. Yeah. And Buffy is trying to do what they what they want her to do and trying to be a good friend and trying to stuff herself in this little box and ignore her own feelings. Yeah, and wear a 50s dress. Yep. Go all 50s and make them lunch or like yeah, a little she's, picnic. She's, and isn't that great? So, Just like Martha Stewart. Yeah, she's Buffy's dresses are the Narn skirts. They yes. are the practical, barely cover your ass dresses so that you she can wears do a, for her. So you can do a high kick and yeah, kick a vampire like, in the face while you're wearing That's what them. Buffy wears for her. Right. What Buffy wears for other people is the down-to-the-knee dress. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and we saw in L.A., um, so Buffy's outfits that she likes are the Narn skirts. Mm -hmm. Buffy's outfit in L.A. was like bushwear. Like yeah, she's wearing totally her nice, wear. comfy cotton pants with her running shoes and a sweatshirt hoodie. <laughs> like yeah. that's what Buffy wants to wear when she's not around people. Mm -hmm. Very, and she, yeah, whatever totally. it is, it's practical Slayer wear. Mm -hmm. She wears a short skirt so she can kick. Yeah. <laughs> she wears a nice cotton pants so she can kick. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like that's what Buffy wears. That's how I assess my outfits. What can? What am I capable of doing in this? No. 
can I run? Can I kick? Can I fight? Am back? I going to be comfortable? Yeah. Am I yeah. going to be comfortable? Can I sit down all day? You know, like that kind of shit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this, when, when Buffy slips into the fifties with the beehive and the knee length skirt and mentioning Martha Stewart, even though Martha yeah. Stewart is a lot more, a lot more subversive, yes. <laughs> um, which is yeah. why we love her. It, I mean, this is back to, uh, the costuming, like not even go fish. Where am I thinking? Uh, I only have eyes for you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Isn't that funny? Isn't it? Yeah, 50s, 50s, that we're, 50s, we're calling 50s. back to the last time she connected with somebody, even though it was through somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Banish the queer, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, Which those two had a, a queer allegory relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Buffy starts to say something, and then Xander jumps in, saying he saw the little half-smile, which is debatable. He calls and, her a little slut. And, uh, yeah, he tries to convince Buffy she wants to date as well, and calls her a slut, which is really funny, and is especially not funny if your friend's boyfriend went evil after she lost her virginity to him. Uh, Buffy makes me so incredibly happy when she slugs him in the arm. <laughs> I bet that yeah. bruise turns out to be very colorful. But like we said, this puts Xander back on track. He does. well, and She should have done this in Dead Men's Party. Just yeah. walked around and punched each one of them, and then they all would have been fine. I I think maybe in his head that was more of a oh we're back to normal i'm i get to kid you about this now and then once it came out of his mouth he was like okay punch me (laughs) yeah he he accepted the punch yeah he knew he deserved the punch Mm -hmm. buffy knew he did and and this is a very dude i mean they're bros you know they they bros and they this is the way they interact and buffy Mm -hmm. just added a little extra mustard on that punch (laughs) to show him to not do that anymore But, you know, here, but this is, you know, here we go. Buffy has mm-hmm. realized that her friends want her to be a certain thing. So she decides to be that because she saw in a previous episode, like the previous episode, how fast and enthusiastically <laughs> they will turn on her. She says she wants to date and shop and hang out and go to school and save the world from unspeakable demons. You know, I want to do girly stuff. <laughs> uh, you know, Buffy, you could do all those things with the same person. Mm-hmm. Same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do like the girly stuff. Yeah, like she's finally. She's been saying, "I want to be a girl. I want to be a normal girl." Microphone back a little bit. Um, you know, so now she's starting to own the fact that being a slayer might also be able to exist in the same world as being a girly girl, a femme. You know, like you can own woman power and be this crazy, awesome superhero at the same time. Yep. Yeah. I mean, kind of ser- like an Amazon. <laughs> Seriously, like she'd have one stop shopping with that with Faith. That's yeah. what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. They, I think they actually do all those things. Uh, yeah, I think they do. Date mm-hmm. and shop, lift and hang out and <laughs> go to school. Even though Faith uh-huh. isn't enrolled, they're yeah. still at school and they yeah, and save the world from unspeakable demons and girly yeah. stuff. Yeah, they, they do all those things. Yep. Foreshadowing. Hey, what's going on? <laughs> uh, at a drive through, a limo pulls up to much ominous music and Mr. Trick. Yay! One oh, of our favorites. Shakespearean type He's so awesome. Mr. Trick. He orders a diet soda. Oh. He mentions to his traveling companion how quaint Sunnydale has become. I wonder if he if it used to be just one big hell mouth. <laughs> what is he ordering the diet soda for him? Is it for the driver? Is it for taquitos? Who is it for? What is it? Why is he, he why is it diet? I don't understand. <laughs> if he's like Spike, which he is, I bet he enjoys a diet soda. He probably does, with weeda bits in it. Absolutely. <laughs> He says he loves how they call him sir when he's getting his diet beverages. He mentions that Sunnydale is really, really, really Caucasian, and he's so not wrong. I thought we were from the most blandly white place on earth, but Sunnydale wins by a mile or ten. 
<laughs> Plus, bad things happen to minorities of all kinds in Sunnydale. And, and so if Mr. Trick asked me, I'd advise him to steer clear. Yeah. <sighs> he admires Sunnydale's deaths per annum, as he should. <laughs> he says he's been running a statistical analysis, and then he leans over and taps on the fourth wall, as is his way, <laughs> and <laughs> tells us that it makes DC look like Mayberry. Um, Mr. Trick, Sunnydale makes Mayberry look like Mayberry as well. <laughs> it has a whole weird duality that way. Yeah. Well, and, and I, we're getting so much backstory. Every time Mr. Trick opens his mouth, mm-hmm. he gives us backstory. He's great. Every single line tells us where he's been, where he's going, and how he sees himself. I mean, just this, the fact that we have a vampire saying statistical analysis. <laughs> right. What? I know, it's so awesome. (laughs) He just plops in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He suggests that he and his traveling companion could settle in in, and to have some fun in town because nobody in Sunnydale seems to give a crap about their citizens (laughs) dropping like flies. And I love Mr. Trick, but this is a terrible idea. Yeah. (laughs) Mr. Trick, as he mentioned, is very adaptable from the Spike School of Vampire Adaptation, even, as we can see from his love of modern technology. But still not so much with the kind of learning that that saves your ass in the end. His companion, of course, is Taquitos. <clears throat> yes, I'm going to call him that for the whole episode because it's fun. <laughs> Taquitos and his cloven hooves tell Mr. Trick that they will not, in fact, be staying because they only have one objective. Mr. Trick tries to misdirect us by confirming that they're in Sunnydale to kill the Slayer, and we're supposed to think he's talking about Buffy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he suggests that they look at the big picture, and I suggest that he do the same, especially after he learns that there are two Slayers in town. Yes. Although <laughs> he is correct in this scene because he is in the light. He's yes. enlightened, literally, he, in the film. At this at this yeah. time, he is 100% right. Yes. He should probably have changed his mind in later episodes. Yeah, dial it back. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, you know, so Taquitos, a.k.a. Kikistos, uh, who We're is just... Greek, weirdly. Isn't it funny that we have a, a Greek-named vampire mm. come to town mm. uh, when... When At the same time does... as Hercules, yeah. you mean? Isn't that weird? Isn't yeah. that weird? It's so weird. It's just Heracles um, comes to town. Yeah. See, and they, I just I feel like this is this the show saying, "Hey, Greek myth time." Um, mm-hmm. Not that it wasn't before, but we really get into it now. Um, so, in, in this shot, like Taquitos is in all dark. You can barely mm-hmm. even see that someone's there. You can see it's like and, it's poof. Yeah. No. And and then Trick is in light. He's yes. enlightened, and I love that. And we love him. I mean, we, love we immediately love him. We are Mr. supposed Trick. to love him. We're mm-hmm. supposed to say, oh, we miss Spike. You know, you're, you're a pretty good Spike. Yeah, you're a great, he's a great Spike. Oh, he's a great Spike. <laughs> and he even mimics Spike later on. He sure does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, he should not bleach his hair. That would look weird. That would look <laughs> a little weird. It, it would be a very, um, uh, oh, God, what's his name? The basketball player from the 90s with the crazy hair. Starts with an R. Dennis Rodman. Thank you. He's kind of sexy, too, in a weird way. I don't go for it. Or he was till he went to North Korea. I don't go for it. Yeah. No. I like his gender-bending ways. Yeah, I like. I appreciate I like, it. I liked when he made the other yeah. basketball players uncomfortable by grabbing their asses. Yeah. I was like, that's kind of <laughs> yeah, hot. Kinda <laughs> <laughs> he, it's hot in the same way like Eminem is hot. Or it's the guys who are so subversion. comfortable with their sexuality that they will grab another basketball player's ass. Mm-hmm. That's hot. Now he's more crazy. Yeah. Um, 
Mr. Trick plays the guy at the drive-thru who calls him sir, clearly tickling Mr. Trick. As Taquitos <laughs> goes on about how he's going to rip out the Slayer's spine and blah, 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 Mr. Trick is bored. But he does realize he's a bit pe- peckish and vamps out so he can nab the guy from the drive-thru and the limo takes off. <laughs> they have a bad habit of this with food service workers. It's a great intro. <laughs> Although it, it does just reinforce the fact that food service workers are the most invisible and most disposable parts of our society, <laughs> despite the fact that they feed y'all without giving you hepatitis. Yes. Most of the time. Yes. It's remarkable. Yes. Be kind to your, your fast Tip your waiter. Yes. <laughs> At the bronze. Well, not, not really. Uh, Buffy, is, <laughs> Buffy is dancing. For me. <laughs> yes. Buffy is dancing with Angel. He's in white and she's in black. Uh, she tells him she misses him. And we see, uh, we see that her friends are staring them down. Uh, she reaches for his hand, and her quarter ring falls to the floor. They both look at it, and then Angel picks it up. He glares at her, and we see flashbacks of her stabbing him and sending him to hell, and she tells him she had to. He grips her ring in his fist, and blood pours out through between his fingers. He tells her he loved her, and blood seeps through his shirt where she stabbed him. She reaches for him, and he yells at her to go to hell. She looks from the blood to his face and sees that he's all decayed. He laughs and tells her that he went to hell. What do we think of that one? Oh my god! Okay, <laughs> so like, I, I have a theory. Okay, because um, I, I have I have very little right. on this one. I was very confused. So we have to look at at this dream as part of the piece as a whole. Uh-huh. We have two stories going on. We have the story that we're watching, and we, we have the other story that's happening. Angel is now going to begin his exit towards his own show. Um, we began that process back at I Only Have Eyes for You. Strangely enough, something that Buffy's costumed like right now. We're already thinking about it. We're remembering mm-hmm. that subconsciously. Now, what I also find interesting is the bookends that we have of this. This is where our story begins for Buffy. Everything else is just like, it's it's the opening. Mm-hmm. We're setting the stage for the scene that's about to happen um, and the people who are about to show up. At the very end of this episode, when we have concluded the questions being asked in between these two scenes, the next next thing we see is Angel naked and alone. Mm -hmm. In this dream, Angel is in white, which we never see. Right. And he bleeds and he emotes things we never see. This is something that someone who knows Angel wouldn't dream and wouldn't think. And not something the powers need to show for any particular reason. Right. This is, I mean, we have evidence that this is facilitated by the powers because... It's a Slayer dream. Right. And the clutter ring uh, is important. Right. And we, I mean, we know that Buffy herself does not have psychic powers. Yes. Um, So when we get an echo of this later in the episode, we know the powers that be are involved. Yes. But how involved? Yeah. Are they just opening up a line? And I don't think we ever get to know how involved or uninvolved the powers that be are. And I think that's done on purpose because how much do we ever get to know how much of our lives are being lived for us and right. how much is our choice? Right. I mean, that's that's part of the whole point of Angel the Series. Isn't it interesting we start asking that question here? Right. I mean, Angel the Series, how much of this is our fight and how much of it are we just being puppeted mm-hmm. into these positions? And Angel asks the question, how much does it matter? Yeah, how does much it does matter? it matter? Yeah. The only we just, thing that or matters... should we just do our best every day and not give a shit exactly. what happens at the end? We fight because we fight. Right. Because it's the only thing we can do. And so we start asking this question here. Um, I think this is Angel. I think this is Angel's dream. I think Angel's starting to wake up and try and claw his way back to the world. And feel it. Because why would he bleed? Mm-hmm. 
vampires don't we i mean we see vampires bleed but not like this right like squeezing a ring like that it would dent the ring if you were a vampire right they, vampires aren't like juicy blood wise like no. that they'll bleed they bleed a tiny bit but yeah, not... they'll, like they'll kind of bleed from a cut or they'll yeah. get a bruise you know they get like subdural hematomas and stuff like that but they don't bleed no so this is liam. <laughs> they don't have a lot of circulation yeah. you know this is not only is this liam bleeding He's holding his family's Clotto ring in the same hand that he wears his Clotto ring mm -hmm. on and bleeding from the hand and then bleeding from the heart. Right. So, all right. Harry Potter time. <laughs> I think Buffy's Clotto ring is a horcrux, essentially. That's the short version. Interesting. I think Buffy's ring, because when she pulls it out of her drawer later, it's on a chain. Mm -hmm. So she's obviously been wearing she's it. Been she's wearing been it. She has been literally carrying Angel with her. Right. And she had it with her when she went away. She's had this with her. Like, even when, after he disappeared, when he was Angelus, she'd find it and she would cry. And it's not just that memory. There's something about this ring. Mm -hmm. it, the importance of him giving it to her, the history of Galway, how it came to him. I think this is a piece of him. Gotcha. And so dropping it, you know, she's breaking the fidelity. She's she's stopped wearing the ring. She stopped thinking about him all the time. She stopped carrying him around. Maybe he feels that. Maybe that was the only thing that got him through hell mm -hmm. was knowing that he was close to Buffy's heart, literally around right. her neck. Uh, I don't. We don't know. Well, at um, the same time, the costuming is telling us, you know, he's in white, she's in black. They can. It'll never yeah. work. It's telling us this again. Oh yeah, it's telling us this again that it's the light and the dark, the moon and. But and now it's, it's finally it's, expressing it the correct way. Well, and it's telling us who shows up wearing black faith where it shows up wearing black. Yeah. It, it's showing us that the, the people who are meant to be together, if mm -hmm. you want to pick out folks, yeah. it's Faith and well, Buffy. Our are, two couples right. at the very beginning, right before they uncouple, they are color coordinated. Right. Exactly. Each couple. Like to the to the very yep. like shade of blue and orange. Yep. And Faith and Buffy are one in one girl mm -hmm. in all the world black. Yep. And Angel's in white. That means it's never gonna work with Buffy and Angel yep. at all. Totally. And it's showing that he's he's innocent in this. And then also in Buffy's dreams, while her friends may be present and they may watch him passively, they never stand there like shadows. Just right. watching. Creepy. This is something that Angel from his point of view would see. It's very true. This is not a Buffy dream. This isn't something Buffy would see, just them watching impassively. Well, and he'll be proved right when he comes back and they do the intervention yeah. of lameness. No, totally. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I think he's got a much better point of view on the whole thing. Right. I mean, this whole episode feels kind of third person. I was telling you that yeah. later. Like, there's something about the way that Giles is behaving about. There's a couple conversations. They feel like we're watching it from the outside, but almost in an abbreviated way. You know, like in, in Person of Interest, the If Then That, mm -hmm. uh, or If Then Else episode that we reference, where they're kind of like, you know, quippy comeback. <laughs> That's one of the best things that's ever oh been on God. TV. It is. That is a masterful piece of work. Yeah. I can't um, wait to get to that. That'll yeah, be fun. So, you know, like the where Buffy keeps getting Taquito's name wrong mm -hmm. and get, keeps getting corrected by Giles. That feels like something that someone else would remember that way. Or see that way, not ha quite how it happened. Right. It feels too smoothed over. Um, so I feel like a lot of this episode is kind of... But if it is that, I feel like it's a war between... I mean, Buffy pacing around and pacing off camera and going back and going at Giles. Yeah. That's a very Buffy moment. Oh, it is. So it, it's almost like it's in and out. It's kind of like... Well, if you were if you were connected with someone to the point of never being able to separate yourself from them, which being killed by someone will do for you... Mm -hmm. Um, you can't ever get that back, but you're connected with them on such a psychic level 
that you feel them. Like he right. gets Buffy. Nobody, right. nobody will ever get Buffy the way Angel gets Buffy. True. I mean, Faith understands Buffy on a Slayer level. Well, I think, I think eventually Faith understands the whole person. Uh, I think what Angel will understand that nobody will ever understand is Buffy's secret desire to be damseled. Mm-hmm. Buffy's secret desire to not be the Slayer. Yeah, because he was there. Like she confided in him about like finding the journal and right. wanting to be one of those girls. Like, like what yeah. Faith understands is Buffy the Slayer, mm-hmm. uh, which Buffy eventually embraces and and becomes. Yeah. Um, Angel understands the girl that Buffy would have been if she had not been the Slayer. Yeah, he sees all of it. He's right. able to see all the possibilities because he's also able to relate. I can see the man I would have become as Liam. Right. I can see the monster I would have become right. which as... Is, which is exactly why they're, yeah. the, the Buffy and Angel relationship can't work because mm-hmm. Buffy is the Slayer. Yeah, well, and they can't be that integrated. Right. They need each other's perspective. They need right. They both need to be in the fight. They need each other's perspective on the world. But they do have an incredible connection. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, I mean, if one of them, if, if Buffy were able to renounce her slayerness Mm -hmm. or if Angel took any of those many, many opportunities to renounce (laughs) renounce his vampire-ness and become a human, they would have been fine. Yeah, totally. And and we, we play that mental exercise out. Right. Um, But he will never do it. Yeah. (laughs) But no, because it's, I mean, creepy as it is that whole, like, we shared a room, it creates a bond. Like being killed by somebody creates a bond right you don't get rid of that oh well i mean we're, we're gonna we're gonna see that at the end of yeah. this season oh yeah and <laughs> and she killed him out of an act of love yep just like she kills faith out of an act of love absolutely or she tries to kill faith out of an act of love and so wouldn't it be fitting though i mean if we just separate ourselves out for just a second wouldn't it be fitting for buffy's true love interest the person she should be with the person that even angel's presence and him teaching her how to open up to somebody else because he he primed the way he's the one that got her to open up he gave her a safe space she could come to to complain absolutely he allowed her to be both a kid and a slayer and the woman she was becoming all at once at the same time like he's the only person who treated her as an equal Mm -hmm. in all of this um wouldn't it be fitting for him to be emotionally being present with her in the afterlife in some kind of afterlife Mm -hmm. holding her hand and and witnessing the emergence of faith into her existence well and that's um, and also his sister he's able to to be there to usher in if you can't be with me you can be with my spiritual sister he's so (laughs) why wouldn't this be slightly from angel's Mm -hmm. soul point of view we don't know that angel's soul went to hell we know that Angel's consciousness went to hell. We don't know right. that his... Why wouldn't the soul just like, you know, peace? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. I'm out of here. Peace well, out, that, that would explain why he comes back an animal. Yeah. I think he comes back an animal and the soul reintegrates. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think dad's stuff that he'll come up with later kind of backs that up yes, a little yes. bit. Yes, yes. Special episodes um, with dad coming Yeah. Up. <laughs> my dad... Our dad. Why did I say that? My dad. Our dad has really interesting stuff. Um so yeah, I think this is introducing us to the angel part of the episode because mm-hmm. um, it's there's no other reason for him to bleed unless it was from his POV. Yeah, that's a good point. And he's ang- yeah he's angry at Buffy for a minute, and he gets to get it out at her in the stream state. And in, in later episode, <laughs> yeah, but also him him getting mad at her and yelling at her in a way relieves her of some guilt. Well, the same way that his going to hell relieves him of some of the guilt that he yeah. he felt and, when he and was he's a, doing a, the same back to her. Vampire. He's just like I'm. I'm going to show you some emotion. Like Buffy's able to argue with Faith. She's not able to argue with anybody else. Right. And so this this whole like 
we have the presupposition that this is a nutshell episode, mm-hmm. um, but we also, or that's the mission statement, but we also have an episode of emotional honesty Yes, in this where people are able to just kind of put everything down and be who they are. Right. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Let us know if you disagree, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think this is angel coming back. Angel knows he's going to come back and the ring is a big part of that. Um, and I think a lot of this episode is very slightly from his POV. Buffy wakes in her bed, but she's happy that one's over. <laughs> Man, that's just yeah. mean. <laughs> she reaches into her drawer and finds her ring. It has a chain on it. Um, so Buffy's been wearing this around. Mm-hmm. Then Joyce startles the bejesus out of her, <laughs> calling her sunshine and asking if she's ready to face the beast. Well, one day in Los Angeles, Faith will use sunshine to save herself from Angelus after she faces the beast. It's too perfect to be intentional, isn't it? Yeah, seems. <laughs> it's so good, though. <laughs> and the beast is just Snyder. It's yeah, I know. It's bad. awesome. <laughs> Snyder is laying out the terms of Buffy's readmission. Buffy starts playing with a letter opener as Snyder lists, uh, lists off makeup tests, a recommendation letter from anyone but Giles, and an interview with the school psychologist. That poor psychologist does not have a fun time in the next episode. No. The psychologist has to determine that Buffy isn't violent anymore. (laughs) Good luck. Dude, Buffy is violent. We love that about her. (laughs) Okay, so this strikes me as so much like when you kick a gay kid out of school and Mm -hmm. they have to fight to get back in. They deserve to be there. Like, we even threatened to send Buffy to an all-girls school. Right. Um, you know, like, which wouldn't help with the queerness very much, no, but no, still not even a little, um, but they're like the only one that might take her, you know? Right. So it, it's just smacks of that nineties mentality of just kicking gay kids out of school, mm-hmm. finding an excuse. Give me a reason, you know? Yep. And so her coming back in, you've got to talk to a psychologist to determine that you're not gay yep. anymore. Not that way. We don't yeah. have those predilections. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, uh, and it's, it didn't really strike me until the way Buffy and her mom stand up to him. Joyce isn't quite so flip about the Slayer thing. So this feels like we're coding it to me. Well, Joyce is going to call out the Slayer Pride Parade later in oh, the episode. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah it's, totally. we're back on track with mm-hmm. the Slayer equals queer yeah. if we were ever off it, which I don't think we were. <laughs> I don't think we were, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, this her getting kicked out of school and Snyder's antagonism of her and watching her and trying to catch her mm-hmm. in the act of something. I mean, this is something queer kids still go through every day at their schools of somebody trying to catch them kissing a boy or looking at somebody or dressing weird Mm -hmm. and they're just trying to look for a reason to get them out of their school but we don't get to do that we have to educate everybody Mm -hmm. damn it yep yeah yeah absolutely i mean i had to fight for queer clubs i remember that we had to walk out of school we had to protest and march and collect around the school district downtown to get back clubs they canceled Every club. You can mm-hmm. look this up in, in Salt Lake history. Not proud of it. In a lot of schools. In, history, a, lot of in schools. a lot of different yeah, states. In a lot yeah. of different places. But this is something I lived through mm-hmm. is when I was in high school, they got, we, we started some gay and lesbian clubs in one of the other schools, one other than I was in. And they said, you can't do that. And they said, well, it's a school club. We get to have those. And so they canceled all of them, mm-hmm. all of them, including health student, health occupation students of America, HOSA. They canceled all of them. And then if you wanted a club, you had to apply, including like the sports teams had to apply. Mm-hmm. Everything did. And we said, bullshit. We got it back. It took a lot of work. Well, and, um, and, uh, and note how little support Buffy is getting from her friends in the mm-hmm. student body. Yeah. 
they wouldn't have walked out. They wouldn't have marched in the queer. Par- I mean, the, the the Slayer Parade. Excuse me. Well, if I, <laughs> I mean, if Buffy had put out, if Buffy's friends had told the rest of the students that the person who's going to save their asses mm-hmm. doesn't get to come back to school, they the other yeah, kids would have marched they out. They would have had to walk. Yeah, absolutely. They would have had to walk out. They would have done something. But Buffy's it's... friends are not sticking up for her at all. Nope. Not even a little bit. And the rest of the school, as we as is made explicit later, they're too busy with their own problems to notice. Right. It's not that they're saying, "Oh, I'm glad Buffy's gone." They just they they're too busy. They probably think she's in class. Yeah, or and that's not in guess. class. Like she's she's never in class anyway. Right. They, well, they, <laughs> yeah, I I don't imagine they would think that it would occur to them that she had been expelled. They but oh, yeah. I haven't seen Buffy yet this year. Yeah, I must not have the same classes as she does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and Buffy's not put on probation. She's being told she needs to get, um, essentially a letter from another teacher who isn't also queer. Right. Like, yeah, I know we have that one funny teacher that we don't really talk about. Right. Um, but you have to get a letter of recommendation for one of the straight teachers. Right. To say that you're okay to come back. Like, the whole thing is coded. It's extremely so coded. So much. Hard, and, like, heavily coded. Yeah. And and I also have to drop that Buffy's wearing a shirt. I said that she never wears this color again back when Kendra died. She does. Right here. <laughs> right here. She's wearing a, a little, like, see-through jacket over her little Buffy blue. I think it's Buffy blue. Um, that is the same color as the one she wore when Kendra died. The last time she was in the school as a legitimate student. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Just a little callback to that moment of... And a callback to when Faith was... Yeah. You know, yeah, she got lost her slayer a, powers. a woman who was important to her mm-hmm. when Faith got her powers. The last time she was at school when something terrible happened and she was a student. Like, there's a lot for Buffy to come back to. And... The rest of this episode, Buffy's trying real hard to be season one Buffy. She sure is. She's trying real hard. Oh, yeah, she is. And we get a lot of callbacks to season one. But eventually, Buffy's just going to be like, I know I'm being ridiculous. Yeah. She's just going to stop being season one Buffy. <laughs> yeah, and we move into new Buffy. Yep, absolutely. Integrated Buffy. But yeah, her, she doesn't, I mean, she's like, how do I work these robot arm things? Yes, I am definitely of your human race. <laughs> I am I am Buffy from season one. Yeah. I have Vampire Slayer. Because this is what Buffy looks like, right? I am Slayer of the Vampires, <laughs> Robot Buffy. Yes, if you ever feel this way in your life, this disassociation where you pretend to be somebody that you haven't been for a really long time. Therapy. Uh, therapy. This is therapy. called disassociative PTSD. <laughs> Buffy's going to have. Yep, yeah. just a little bit. But she'll work through it through the guise of somebody else. Yes. <laughs> uh, Snyder grabs away the letter opener, and Joyce says she doesn't like Snyder's attitude. <laughs> Joyce says she's talked with the school board, and Snyder says he's aware that she, he has to educate every juvenile who's not in jail where she belongs. <laughs> <laughs> I have so much to say about the jail thing, <laughs> but the time will come for that. <laughs> he reluctantly welcomes Buffy back, and she and her mom share a grin at his expense. Buffy asks if maybe she's back in school because Snyder got shut down by the school board. Yeah, I'm thinking he didn't fight it very hard after Giles threatened to kick him in the kidneys for a while, too. <laughs> yeah, and Giles never asks for credit for that. I he sure doesn't. It. He doesn't ever let on oh. that maybe he, he convinced. Uh, yeah, maybe he Sorry. talked Snyder into not pushing yeah. so hard. Yeah, he's like, call my friend Ethan. He'll tell you. Yes. <laughs> His kidneys are still sore. Yes. Uh, he's like, but get him to get out the chains. <laughs> <laughs> There's my girl. <laughs> uh, so he, he picked up what I was dropping. Good job. <laughs> Buffy also asks if this means his whole ability to do his job has been called into question, and Joyce goes with nah, 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 nah. <laughs> <laughs> They depart with some well-earned snarky looks in his direction, and as they leave, Snyder's assistant tells him the mayor is on line one, and Snyder looks a bit ill. Yeah, he has that, that like, 
fuck you. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, seems like the mayor was involved in messing with Buffy, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, now he's heard the news and isn't thrilled. Snyder was a lot happier about the mayor in the previous episode, and the end of Buffy's expulsion is the only thing that's changed since then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you go deal with the wiperines. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to kick me in my kidneys. I can't do that. <laughs> in the library, Willow is um, typically enthused about Buffy getting back into school. And, Buffy and uh, Wearing all red. Yeah. There's a lot of red on Willow in this episode. Well, yeah, because she's yeah. being an asshole. She's, yeah, she's wearing red. And she's got a, a conspicuously rainbow-colored necklace on. Yes. And definitely vicarious shoes. Definitely vicarious shoes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. As quoted on 30 Rock. <laughs> <laughs> Buffy asks if Giles is mad, and Willow says she doesn't think so, and that it seemed like Giles just needed to see her for some reason. They're both distracted by some stinky herbs in the counter. Willow breaks the first rule of television and assumes that because she can't see Giles, he isn't really there, and asks Buffy if she's noticed that when Giles is angry, he makes that weird cluck cluck sound with his tongue. Because it is television, Giles stands up behind Willow. And Buffy greets him cheerfully. <laughs> Willow, of course, wants to know how long he's been standing there. Giles pretends to ignore the whole thing and tells Buffy that her timing is excellent because he needs some help. Does she remember a Kothla? Uh, Buffy most <laughs> certainly... Yay, hall. Yay, tall. Yeah. <laughs> like, Stone. Rawr. Yeah. <laughs> Sword. Uh, Buffy most certainly does remember a Kothla and how she had to stab her boyfriend to get rid of it. But she's, she tries to deflect a bit and asks if maybe Giles has noticed that she's back in school. Giles isn't wearing his glasses, though, so he's forgotten a bit about the niceties of and, welcoming and Buffy back. he's not quite shaven, either. He's, no. he's got the ripper. He's so ripper right and now. And watch, if, if you want to see the ripper come in and out, watch the very back of Giles' jaw. Mm -hmm. um, you can see him ripper in and out he by gets the all positioning of the benchy. jaw. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> yes. He's more interested in addressing the psychological damage uh, he guessed months and months ago had happened to Buffy. He does the cute British stuttering thing in, that they do when they realize that they haven't been courteous and uh, tells her how happy he is to, that she's back. Buffy, Buffy tries to deflect a bit more about Akathla, joking about making him a pizza. Uh, but no, Giles is worried that Akathla isn't really gone. He wants to create a biting spell. Willow is just ever so excited about helping with the spell, and even Ooh. if there really, there really did happen to be a spell and this wasn't Giles trying to help Buffy, he would be crazy to let Willow help because she's new at this shit and would fuck it up and Akatha would eat all of them while wearing a tutu. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the rip, like, as soon as Willow offers to help, that's when Ripper comes out. Oh, I love it. He yeah. is, oh, and I'm there with him. Like, I am mm -hmm. so pissed, especially after this last walkthrough, yep. where it's like, I am shut up yeah, willow she's what just the an ass you the last time you did magic somebody else spoke through your mouth <laughs> right if that doesn't scare the shit out of you you've got something wrong with you yeah and no, she's good with it yeah she's but, tried it since she's just yeah, really, yeah, but, and yeah. and on the metaphor level giles is in all gray mm -hmm. um and he is so his voice is smooth even though he has his glasses off mm -hmm. and he's very ripper um he's more integrated and so the metaphor is here that Buffy's mind has come to peace. Right. And it's not only come to peace with what happened with Angel and is willing to start thinking about it and talking about it, but come to peace with Jenny as well because they're mm -hmm. one and the same. And so we've moved Giles into a place of kind of acceptance. He's finally the acceptance part of things. And he's able at last to reach out to Buffy, right. but also the mind is opening up and saying, you know, maybe we could start dealing with this. Yeah. And then the spirit's off to the side saying, hey, let's re-traumatize you. Yeah, no shit, right? <laughs> Sorry, the, like the an spirit, asshole. I, I don't. The spirit is just 
stupid in this. Well, I think this. Um, I think the spirit itself is okay. I think Willow is the problem. Yeah, I think. I think we are having a problem with the character because there are a few moments of Willow. But they're where, bad. Where as well, yeah. There's, there's a few moments of Willow as a spirit where she's kind of okay, right? But we're we're hard on the Willow right now, yes. and that also makes sense through the point of view of Angel. Yeah, true. Where he's like girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's like, dude, what? The you fuck are such a dick. Why did like, you do this yeah, to me? Why would you do that to yeah. me? Yeah, like I thought we were friends. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a, he thought the last thing Angel knew they were all friends. Right. He'd had his perfect day. Yeah, he'd mm-hmm. had his perfect day. They were all friends. That's the last thing he knew is he was finally part of the Scoobies just the way he always wanted to be. Yeah. And, you know, so now Willow's returned his soul just in time for him to get sent to hell. <laughs> Fuck you, bitch. I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Seriously. Mm-hmm. He, and he might not even know that part about, you know, the Xander's big lie. He might actually think yeah. it was a trap for him. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so he he doesn't know exactly what happened, but there's only one person who would have done who that. Who could have done that, yes. There's only one. and But there's two people who could have done it, and mm-hmm. only one person who would have done it. Right, absolutely. G- Giles, I think even out of... I've, I've had some retrospect. I just barely edited Becoming Part 1 and 2, um, or Becoming Part 1. I've started on Becoming Part 2. I've had some retrospective uh, thoughts. And one of them is, once we realized that Jenny was killed for the sake of what she was doing mm-hmm. and it, yeah that it was an act of war mm-hmm. well Ares is the god of war he's able to recognize war he can see it he doesn't like it and Ares it's Giles we just want yeah, to clarify Giles, yeah Giles is Ares is able to recognize an act of war and and even Giles himself he can mm-hmm. say all right Jenny was killed because she was doing something that was against what they were doing they would have killed her no matter who she was mm-hmm this isn't about me. This isn't about Buffy. This is about them, you know, behaving in this way. Um, and I think at that moment, some part of Giles forgave Angel. Not necessarily, I mean, because then he gets tortured and stuff. But I think it, at that moment, some part of Angel of, of Giles was able to let go of it a little bit. Yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to see during amends. Yeah, we'll have to see. That'll be the big thing. So I just have this theory that he was able to let go of it a little bit. And that letting go of the grudge... Um, even though he's upset about Angelus torturing him, totally separate, you know, set of conditions. Because that's more he's angel. He's mad at Buffy for not understanding that Angelus tortured him. Right. Um, so that's a different set of circumstances. But as far as what Angelus and Angel had done up till now, that he was upset about, I I think he was able to give himself some breathing room on that and say this wasn't personal. You know, this is just. I mean, the the posing was personal, but that's kind of an Angelus thing to do. Yeah. So, had Giles still been mad at Angel and thought that he did some, he did this on purpose, I could totally see him vengefully rippering out and returning his soul Yeah, to put him in hell. Well, Giles was getting tortured at the time, though. Yeah. So there's not much of a way he could... He's, well, it, well I know, but... Let's he, just say that. that but he, before then, he said, I won't do it, I can't right. do it, I have no, I, I have no business well, doing and, this. And Angel can rule that out right yeah. away. And he, he could have run off and called Ethan and... True. Had some fun. Uh, <laughs> well, and he, I mean, yeah. and it's, and he probably could have, mm-hmm. he probably could have pulled everything together. Like if it had been outside when Xander comes, you know, Xander comes and gets him. If Xander had brought the supplies, he probably right. could have pulled it together. Yeah, he he totally could have done it. Yeah. And it would have probably gone better. No. <laughs> uh, oh, anyway. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it, there's, there's not a lot of end to that. It was just kind of a retrospective. Like, I think, I think a lot of Giles is being able to finally come to, to a settling point was a little bit just forgiving. 
We'll have to watch for it during amends. Yeah. I'll be interested, but I just, I wanted to add that in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you think uh, part of Giles' motivation here comes from realizing that that, um, he should have worked with Buffy after she killed Ted and he kind of took Joyce's projection blame to heart and wonders if he could have, what he could have done to make it clear to Buffy that she could have come to him after she stabbed Angel. I mean, I think some of it, I think a lot of this is Giles trying to make up not just for himself and his misdeeds. I think it's a lot of retrospective going on. Yeah. I mean, I don't have any evidence you know? at all for that yeah. at all. I just no. wonder why, well, because you think he would have done this after Ted. You think, but things in Ted were so messy. They were and, so fast and messy and difficult and mired. Like, this is, that's part of the reason this episode stands out to me is having so much perspective. We're so calm. Right. Even in, in like, events kind of going fast, like um, with taquitos. <laughs> I'm never going to stop laughing. Um, you know, we're never embroiled in it. We're never confused in doing that right. running around battle thing. And, and in Ted, we were. Right. You know, in Ted, we were just too much in it. So. Well, and Buffy declared... I mean, when when everything should have happened, Buffy declared, I'm going to forget this ever happened. And yep. we all forgot that it ever happened. Yep. Well, I mean, we didn't, but yeah. everybody in the show did. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's just too much to remember. So, yeah. No, it I, is something. I mean, it is something that Giles absolutely should have followed up on. Mm-hmm. I mean, your Slayer murdered somebody. Yeah. Probably, you know. Well, he turned out to be a robot and her Slayer senses might have been working. She might have been home. We're fine. But he should have Sunny followed up. Yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, one, that's something that yeah. a, if, if somebody you know, kill somebody she thinks is a human, it's time mm-hmm. for the Watcher to step in and be like, what's up with this killing of a human thing? Yeah, what's yeah. going on with that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I think a lot of it is is that for, I mean, it's that he's gotten himself to a place where he can hear it mm-hmm. and she can tell it. And he's gone, I mean, he's killed somebody. You know, he's mm-hmm. been there. He has, I think that's why he's so a ripper in this episode because rip. Buffy needs Ripper. Right. Buffy doesn't need... I mean, she needs Giles to a certain extent. She needs the guise of Giles. She Well, she needs the same side of Giles that Faith is going to need in a few episodes. Yeah. And, and, and Buffy gets that and mm-hmm. Faith doesn't. Um, yeah. And it really makes all the difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. And and him being able to show up for that... I mean, we all could use someone showing up for, for us mm-hmm. like that. So his wherewithal, I think it comes from a whole bunch of different points of perspective of, you know, he's probably just been really working on himself. Right. You know, I think when when... Joyce blamed him, he probably did a gut check, even though it was like, mm-hmm. screw you. I bet he went home and he really thought about it. Right, because he's a self-aware person. He is. Who does not project and like some yeah. people, Joyce. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think he went home and he reflected and he decided where he where he begins and ends. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if I'm rambling, but do I sound like I'm rambling? You'll find out when you edit it. <laughs> yeah, that's not helpful. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> um, but, I mean, it sounds fine to me now, but you'll yeah. you'll find out if we're no, going to I, I think I think Giles is working on the kind of perspective that you can only get from heavy self work. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, Willow wants to help. Giles says she can help with the research. <laughs> <laughs> he won't even let her touch fake spells. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he tries to explain that the spell is sensitive, and Willow insists that she's sensitive. Yeah, so sensitive. She and her little buddies badgered Buffy right back into the closet again last episode. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Giles says the spell is also difficult. Keep an eye on Buffy during this part, too. She is completely amused that Willow isn't getting her way. <laughs> Our Slayer may have decided to shove her two feelings into a box, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean she can't enjoy it when these folks get their asses handed to them. Oh, yeah. Well, and <laughs> so I love this. We have three times that Giles asks Buffy. 
once with Willow there, mm-hmm. and I think he wants Willow to hear it. I think yes. this is calculated. He wants Willow to be able to fu- understand, as he learned as Ripper. Right. He wants Willow there to are learn early that there are major, severe emotional consequences to what you're doing. What he misses is that Willow doesn't care. No. Well, he's hoping that Willow's more like Xander. Right. He's, Absolutely. He's really hoping that Willow's more like Xander. The, he's hoping Willow is like anyone he's ever met in his life. Yeah. Including himself. Including and he, Ethan. I yeah, I think <laughs> I think Giles' Ripper, up until he integrates around this point, is the scariest demon he's ever met. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, in, including Igon, because Igon came from him. Igon is just... Yeah. Igon's just Igon. Yeah. Well, Igon yeah. consumes... Igon well, yeah, does it's, his thing. It is, it's like vampires do what they do. Right. It You know, fish gotta swim, good bird gotta fly. Um, but yeah, Ripper... It was the scariest demon that Giles had ever met. Mm-hmm. And up until, and you know, if that he sees, that's kind of what I was getting at earlier. He saw that in Angel Angelus. He mm-hmm. just didn't understand why it got so personal. Once he realized it wasn't personal, I think he was able to just kind of like allow the grief to be what it was without wondering why his friend hurt him. Right. Um, you know, be just being able to recognize that that's the demon in you. This is the demon in me. Um, and then, you know, from being able to accept his own demon by accepting somebody else's demon, he's able to turn around and accept Buffy's demons. Gotcha. That's where I was getting before. Interesting. Um, yeah. And then by accepting Buffy's demons, he's able to look at Willow and say, and you. I'm not accepting anything. Are you? You are you're just, worse than Ripper. I yeah. see it in you. Just I not would, accepting any responsibility for anything at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything at all. So he wants Willow to witness Buffy's pain. Right. Buffy doesn't bite. Second time, he tries Buffy alone Mm because she still needs to talk about it. She still needs help. Like, the mission isn't just to teach Willow a lesson. And the third time, he doesn't bring it up. Yeah. Buffy goes to him. The third time, Buffy chooses to share with Willow because it's her mind doing the work. We're still working on a metaphor and Mm -hmm. a human. So the mind is open and wants to hear it. And then she shows up and tells Willow and Giles. And we don't need Xander in the room because he already knows. Right. And I think that's why he's so stoic and sweet in this episode. Um, and it'll take him a minute, but yeah, he'll get it'll, there. It'll take him a minute, but we'll get there. We'll talk about it. Well, he has to get smacked down by Cordy first, and then he's fine. He loves it. He, <laughs> I know he does. I think he just has to do something it's, every day to get smacked down by Cordy. It's thing. Yeah, he, he gets like the shakes without it. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> and who wouldn't? Giles explains that the spell is all about creating protective circle around something he doesn't want to bore them with and that should have been the first clue that something was up giles takes great delight in boring them all the time like with his awesome little globe moon thingy but he's a very good liar oh he's really we are good. seeing that they're that they're just i mean if they weren't they're giles just kids can lie. yeah yeah he says that there's a litany in aramaic which i'm really glad he didn't actually have to do because there's no way i could translate that uh, and who knows what it would do to the recording equipment uh, the, the crux of this is of course uh, that the spell needs to be extremely specific so very, very specific. So specific. <laughs> wow. So specific, in fact, that he needs to know exactly what happened to Buffy that day. Mm-hmm. Ah, the plausible diversion we've discussed before. Nicely executed, Giles. <laughs> Buffy gets a sinking feeling, obviously, and tells, but tells him to fire away. Uh, Willow, are you getting nervous? You should be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Giles says he's estimated the time it all started at about 6.17. Only Giles could say something happened at approximately an exact time. (laughs) (laughs) And we're like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. He guesstimates that it went down about half an hour after Zandy rescued him. Buffy is getting less and less excited about this game by the second. Uh, She says it was was more like 10 minutes, actually. Giles Mm -hmm. asks if the vortex was already open. 
she says it barely was. He asks about Angel. They've been calling Angelus Angel this whole time, so there's no way to know which one Giles is talking about, except that we know which one he's talking about. Mm -hmm. He's known for months it was Angel. Buffy summarizes it as a big fight. Angel got the pointy end of the sword. Akathla sucked him into hell instead of the world. That's about it. Giles isn't buying it, but he's decided to opt for the Columbo oh one more thing approach. <laughs> so he tells her how helpful she's been. <laughs> Buffy takes off for one of her Snyder mandated makeup English tests that she's clearly worried about passing. Uh, after she's gone, Willow goes through and identifies all the ingredients Giles has assembled for his fake spell, trying to prove that she's knowledgeable about witchery. Giles takes his glasses off, so look the fuck out, Willow. She won't, but I'm just saying. Uh, he tells her not to play around with this magic shit because it's fucking dangerous. He wants to know what she's been doing. She, of course, has been doing tons of really dangerous shit. We know because she was prattling on to Buffy about it in order to punish Buffy for being an actual human with human feelings. Here's what Willow told Buffy in the previous episode. I just did a couple pagan blessings and a teeny glamour to hide a zit. I tried to communicate with the spirit world, and I so wasn't ready for that. It's like being pulled apart inside. Plus, I blew out the power for a whole block. Big scare. So it's a bit out of control. Then yeah. yeah. Well, and, and Giles doesn't just say, what kind of magic are you doing? He says, what have you been conjuring? Right. Or summoning. Or, yeah, it's conjuring, right? I think it is. Yeah. But, I mean, to me, it's who are you using? Right. What and she's been trying to channel using? the spirit world just like she did with the, yeah. with the spell. Girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Bad. Also, little callback when Buffy leaves, you know, when she's like, oh, I have to run off to my little makeup exam. Oh, right. It, it's, doesn't that just smack of, I have to go meet my terrible fate? Yeah. It's like through every, but everyone who was touched by her coming to terms with her own death mm -hmm. has a little memory yep. pop up in this episode. Absolutely. Yeah. Because she's, she has come back from the dead. Mm -hmm. She got the crap beat out of her and now she's going to reform herself into something else. Yeah. Something that is as palatable as it can be for her friends. And kind hopefully like, she'll be able to maintain herself a little bit. Yeah. Too kind long, of like two other really significant people who are popping up in this episode. Uh-huh. Yeah. For sure. She tells Giles that based on what Buffy said, her attempts at the soul restoration spell weren't successful. Uh, Giles' angrily clenching jaw says otherwise. Uh, interesting that she's gone from describing it as a curse, like Buffy did to uh, the spell to cure Angel, isn't it? Yeah. Trying really hard to justify her current behavior. Buffy will call it that at the end, too, to soften the blow to Willow. Uh-huh. But, yeah. Uh, Willow insists that she's just been trying small spells, like floating a feather or making fire out of ice, which, as an unrepentant smoker who also likes to drink, I can totally get behind. <laughs> um, <laughs> she asks if he's mad at her, and he might be if she'd told the truth about taking down a whole electrical transformer, but she lies, and... He says that he certainly is not. If he did have any anger towards her, he'd start making the strange clucking sound with his tongue. <laughs> and then she, the look she gives him says, I know you're furious at yeah. me. He needs to be more yeah. furious because, wow. And she's, I mean, she's totally lying to him about what she's been doing. I mean, that's it. That's the problem with the Ripper anger mm -hmm. is that Giles can't get angry. He's very, he's very similar to Angelus in that way. I don't know what happens when I get angry. Right. But bad things happen. And faith too when she becomes yeah. evil faith yeah yeah I mean, they're, they all hulk out hulk out a little bit absolutely so. um also when do you think giles actually contacts the um pagan group that eventually helps him take down dark willow do you think it's now i think it's after something blue mm. yeah that's a good point but he's got his eye on her. He's had his eye yeah. on her for a minute. But I think he doesn't. But he doesn't know. 
how much juice she has. Yeah. I think after something blue, he would figure out that she has a lot of juice. Yeah, when when she's if she's able, able to, to make do, him go blind. Yeah, if she's able yeah. to do a spell by just saying something at random and that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's right around yeah, there. Yeah, probably around then. He he might be like getting out his Rolodex around now, just in case. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah. I think it isn't I think he's hoping that I think he's hoping that she'll do the right thing, but mm-hmm. I mean, because, I mean, Giles should have called the Watcher's Council how many times, and he doesn't. I think he yeah, puts off true. the call. Yeah, I th- he probably does, because he wants everybody to have a chance. Because if someone had called the Watcher's Council on him, again, you know, like, right. there's a lot of backstory going on in this episode. If, if someone had called the Watcher's Council on him when he was Ripper, he would have been, as we see, put down like a dog. Right. Yeah. Like they almost do to Faith. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And well, Buffy. But well, Faith. I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, Faith won. Faith the first time, and then mm-hmm. Buffy yeah, accidentally that's true. the second. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and, and I mean, watchers aren't even as highly prized as slayers are. So mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're a dime a dozen. Yeah, <laughs> and until they're not. Yes. Look at all of them. Well, none of those watchers will be around to see that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, at the bronze, there's some dude from Saturday Night Fever dancing with a rather impossibly attractive gal. <laughs> hey, I'm Faith, what's say, up? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna give props to the whatever extra got this gig. He's so he funny. sells it. I, oh my god. <laughs> I don't know. And props to Eliza Dushku <laughs> for not laughing at this dude. Well done. So I would have been peeing my pants. He's so fucking funny. Because yeah. <laughs> like, some, some of the, the NPC vampires where it's like, that guy's wearing polyester kind mm-hmm. of thing. Like, I mean, they're okay, but they're just playing the part this of the dude guy goes wearing all polyester. In. He goes all he in. Is <laughs> so excited to be there. Yes, he is. <laughs> uh, the lyrics of the song uh, that's being performed normally I just say they're relevant and everyone should look them up but this is Faith's first appearance and the, sh- in the on the show and and the band is Darling Violetta uh, and that would be the band who will write Angel of the Series' this amazing theme song so we need to absorb all the production coding and subtext to see what's really going on here are the lyrics uh, I've given you every part of me tried everything I could to make you see but you don't love yourself you can't love me or anyone else you said I was the best thing in your life is that why you run, why you hide? You will never be the cure, and you will never be the change. I've given you every part of me, tried to to tried everything I could to make you see, but you don't love yourself, you can't love me or anyone else. You said I was the best thing in your life. So I, the, the lyrics don't apply to Scott Hope, because dude barely lasts two episodes, and, and he and Buffy don't get anything meaningful. And I, I really, I do not think it's Angel and Buffy. After mm-hmm. Angel comes back, there isn't any kind of running or hiding at all. They have some angst, of course, but it's more like about their general incompatibility than anyone hiding from anyone else. If anything, coming up, they're going to be more open with each other than at any other time in their relationship. Yeah, because right? they're not invested in the future. Right. They just care about each other. Exactly. And they're going to be super open right up till he goes to L.A. He says, I'm going to L.A. She says, why? Mm-hmm. Blah, 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 blah. But yeah. they break up. And they have arguments, but they talk later. Right. Yeah. I mean, to me, there's only one relationship this song applies to, and it happens the very first time we see Faith. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Now, uh, which gal it applies to, or if it applies to both, I'll leave up to interpretation. But the show knows exactly what it's doing, is what I'm saying. Uh, Oz and Willow are kissing on one of the couches, and Buffy comes up and hands out beverages. And I will admit, at first glance, mm-hmm. uh, they do look like a couple girls kissing on the couch. Because Oz has nail polish on. And I, know. There's just, I don't know. Like I, I looked down, and I looked up, and I knew what scene I was watching, mm-hmm. and I, I knew that it was Oz and Willow on the couch, because I've seen this two million times, but I was like... I don't remember two girls making. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a nail polish that throws you off. It could be. Yep. And he's he's got a diminutive size. He's a Seth tiny. Green is short. He's just a little guy. Yeah. Yep. He's short but sexy. <laughs> yeah. 
Willow comments on how happy Buffy looks, and Buffy says she is happy because she passed her makeup English exam, and now she's hanging out with her friends. She says uh, she missed this whole thing. Buffy's in a nice, happy place, so it's time for Willow to try to force Scott Hope on her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at, uh, at the picnic, Buffy made it clear that she doesn't want this at all, and yet Willow doesn't care what Buffy wants. How do we know she doesn't care what Buffy wants? Well, Scott Hope says Willow told him to go to the bronze after 8 o'clock and he could run into Buffy. Willow is telling Buffy very clearly with her actions that no matter what other stuff Buffy has crammed into that little box in order for them to accept her as a friend again, she also must be in a heterosexual relationship with a guy of Willow's choosing. Mm -hmm. That's really gross. Oh, yeah. She's got to choose. Yep. But isn't she also kind of the one that, I mean, she encouraged the Owen thing. Buffy was mostly both Buffy was mostly driving the Owen thing. Yeah, she was. Willow was helping. Oh uh, yeah, she was this helping. Is, but this is all Willow. Yeah. 100% Willow. This is. It is I I feel like Willow drives forward every unfortunate uh male encounter Absolutely. in some way that Buffy has. <laughs> yeah. I so. Including Parker. I think she doesn't help with Parker either. She certainly doesn't help Buffy get over Parker. No. No. No, talk to me, Parker. Well, doesn't doesn't she carpe DM to Buffy about Parker? Ew. I don't remember. I blocked out a lot of Parker stuff. Okay, yeah. I'm not looking we'll, forward we'll to that. We'll have to see what that's like. Anyway. Except the song in that episode is fucking fantastic. It's Biff Naked. Oh, yeah. Lucky? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Good Biff song. Biff Naked's so fucking awesome. I love Biff Naked. That's one of the best, that's one of the best yeah. songs ever. If you want a really good playlist, just put Biff Naked into Pandora. Mm-hmm. Like, 80s girl rock yeah. heaven. She's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Buffy shoots Willow a look, and Willow tries to be all cute and fuck off, Willow. At least Oz has the grace to look irritated by this, not that it will matter. Oh, yeah. Watch Oz in this scene. Ignore everybody else and just watch Oz, and you know what, what you should be feeling. Yeah, and he needs to be more aggressive with this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> Scott Hope launches into the thing that will always work on Buffy. Massive amounts of awkward self-deprecation. Blah, blah. He's a bad liar. Blah, blah, blah. Lying is good for the soul and the skin. Scott, shut up. We can, we can all tell you think you're awesome. Plus, you're blocking Buffy's view of faith. <laughs> <laughs> Buffy says hi politely, and Scott asks if she likes the song. Buffy says she does. She likes the song. I'll bet. It's going to be singing in a long time. <laughs> of course, Scott doesn't really care if she likes the song. That was just a segue to try into trying to convince her to dance with him. Pushy. Maybe some conversation first, Scott. Eh, Scott's really pushy. I'm surprised yeah. he didn't already try the clot of ring on her after 12 <laughs> seconds, to be honest. Well, and he's he's all rumpled, just like his, his favorite Buster Keaton. He's just trying too yeah. hard. Yeah. yeah you know, he's all rumpled. He's got his like, wrinkled he's shirt trying and stuff. He's trying so hard. Buffy Hipster. really, 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 truly does not want to dance. <laughs> she tries to find a way to let him down gently, and he comes up with an offer to go stand by the dance floor so she can mosey over if she changes her so mind. So he's like all of the other stalkers she's had, only she's he's announcing yes. that I will be watching you. Yes. <laughs> From Absolutely. Okay. Look, the Sting song is supposed to be him singing it to himself. Yes. Not singing it to the person. <laughs> And he lacks the panache of vampires. Yeah. Like, if I looked over and I saw Angel or Spike giving me the sex eye through mm -hmm. the crowd, I'd be like, hey. Well, and, and you know, and Faith has been, like, keep an eye on Buffy this whole time. Oh, you yeah. know she has totally. been. Totally, yeah. Because she, she plans exactly this who's... whole thing yeah. <laughs> to do a, a meet cute, a proper meet cute. Totally. And so, yeah, yeah. and any of those it's, people. But isn't it, we have the mislead. Buffy always meets the significant love interest in or around the bronze. Mm -hmm. Something bronze related. <laughs> right. Partly because bronze is a very Greek kind of thing. Um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, like, I think she meets Angel on her way home or her way to, no, the way to? The way to. 
yeah, the way to the bronze. Um, you know, Spike first sees her in the, pops bronze, up in the bronze, pops up in the bronze. Uh, so it only serves to say that she's going to meet her next love interest in the bronze. Right. And she did not meet did not meet Scott Hope in the bronze. No. She met him by the picnic. He happened to be there, and he happened to go assume the position of the right. man who was obsessing about. But Buffy he was the told bronze. to show up there by Willow. It was not yeah. a natural meeting. But yeah, what Willow did, she went and she drew little little footprint marks where Angel used to stand. Right. And she said, "Just stand here. This one will do. Yeah, he's nothing like Angel at all. That'll be yeah. great. Yeah, but go go stand over here. But he's not wearing like any kind of jammies on the outside, so there's no chance right. of that." Uh, <laughs> But yes, so we have to meet the next love interest in the Bronx. Yeah. And we have. Yes. And <laughs> um, and the tables are turned. Just like we flipped the gender narrative, now the um the person dancing and being ogled isn't Buffy. Right. It's right. Some, Buffy's it's doing the ogling. Buffy's doing right. the ogling. So we've got to we got to flip that and give Buffy a different right. kind of power in the bronze. Yeah, and well, yeah. they're going to make that so explicit in just a moment. <laughs> so exciting. <laughs> I'm not going to make fun of Mosey. I, I say weird old timey shit all the time, as you probably noticed. But I think that's the nicest thing Oz could think of to say. Yeah, and... he literally. That's the nicest right. thing. Because well, because honestly, standing by the dance floor is a bit weird. I mean, mm-hmm. as we're as we're going to find out, he, he doesn't. Scott Hope doesn't really even know or like Buffy that much at all. Um, so it seems like he's trying to make her feel guilty yeah. because he's being desperate and kind of pathetic. He likes the idea of Buffy. He's he a likes weird the, dude. He's weird. I don't understand him. I mean, we, we're almost along the lines of thinking he's a demon of some kind. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the, and we'll see, we'll hear that with the music later, too. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And, um, and watch Oz. Again, keep watching Oz. So he watches after mm-hmm. Scott. He does it. Yeah. He, you pointed out to me that he does like a death look or yeah, something. He, he looks, does. Yeah. And, then, and then Alex came in the room, the boyfriend, mm-hmm. and he interpreted the boy stare. And he said, yeah, that, that guy's a problem. He doesn't like him. Yeah. Because so... Oz watches him with this frown, like the typical Oz frown of like, I don't get it. And then you see him like practice killing Scott Hope in his head. <laughs> and then he co- and then he realizes it's his cue to speak. Right. And he says that, well, he says, Mosey. Well, and the, and the poor cool. dude and poor Oz doesn't feel like he can really talk to Will about this no. stuff because she's going to. Well, even drop later, him, we, you know? we make it explicit in the way that we frame Oz in the filming that he's not part of the Scoobies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, and he's so worried later, too. Yeah, well, we do this frequently with Willow, mm-hmm. where people she dates, she has more power over. Absolutely. Even though they seem to have power, she she acts like they have power over her. Right. She acts like she's meek. And um, if they start to yeah. be, if they start to be equal, she'll just erase their memory or something. Yeah. And, and you know, so Oz, while we think of him as being a powerful, self-actualized sort of person, he's not standing up to Willow. He's not right. expressing that maybe Buffy should be alone for a little while, mm-hmm. even though he's thinking it, we see him think it. He's not saying any of this. And the reason is that Willow hasn't invited him into the Scoobies. Like, right. isn't it Cordelia's part of the Scoobies? Well, he, she's well, fully she, integrated. Well, and she does, well, she does exactly the same thing with Tara. You know, Tara yeah. is like, you're not going to invite me yeah, out. With Tara the, isn't okay. involved, but Anya is fully integrated right. right to the Scoobies. Even after the breakups with Cordy and Anya, right. Xander's significant others are still integrated into the group Absolutely. because he wants them equal. Unlike Willow. Willow doesn't want them equal. She wants, like she even says to Tara, I just I want, want something, something just, just for mine. me. Yeah. Yeah. Ew. And it's it's just supposed, I know it's supposed to be sweet. It's gross. I didn't think it was particularly no. sweet. No. That's not sweet. I didn't think it was. No. No. The first time I was like, like what is you? These people are so much part of your life that they might as well be you. Mm-hmm. And you're not bringing me around? I mean, yeah. It, I mean, it's 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 an excuse for when you're ashamed of someone. Yeah. 
Like how my ex never yeah. held my hand in public. Like mm-hmm. that kind yeah. of thing. Like that yeah. kind of shit. <laughs> yeah. I, I had one of my exes take somebody else to prom and tell me ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. He actually, he took me aside. He got, went and got me out of class, took me out back and said, hey, I want to talk to you about prom. And I got all excited. He said, mm-hmm. I have to take somebody else because I can't be seen with you. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Yep. Because that's the way to tell a girl. Hey, I was with my ex for 12 years and she never held my hand in public. That's awful. <laughs> I can't imagine why I want to date. Why I don't want to date. It's weird. Gross. Yeah. Gross. It's strange how I don't really have a good outlook people. for relationships. Um, the second he leaves, Buffy is all, fuck. And- <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Her Ted. Like, <laughs> I think I'm interpreting that correctly. Her expression. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, in my head, I hear the gaggy noises. Like, Fuck. <laughs> And uh, Willow whines about how Buffy should be all over the guy Willow picked out because there is charm and normal. There's so much wrong with that statement, including grammar. I'm not even sure where to start. First, I'm not sure why Willow thought that was charm. No. It was a strategy and not a very well-executed one. Ford it, did it much, it is much better. proto-manipulative boy. He's, yes. He is future Parker. Yes. I'm, look at me. I almost have to forget. Yeah, I'm, I'm so sensitive yeah. and I've been through death. And don't you just think that two people should be able to have a moment together without any expectations of the mm-hmm. future? If you speak like this, I don't care if you mean it. Stop. Yeah, seriously. 